Shakespeare once said, all the world's a stage. And all the men and women, merely players. Well, tonight, we are the players. We are the storytellers. And this is our stage. Is our stage. stage where opportunity awaits because here tonight in this showcase of immortals we have the chance we have the chance we have the chance the chance to live to live to live forever
So racing through what we've got left, left very little. In fact, the only thing we haven't mentioned is that the advert for the pirate themed WrestleMania next year, which was due to take place in Tampa Bay, is the, the only thing that's left. And of course, we will be covering that pirate themed WrestleMania and COVID themed WrestleMania uh, beginning next week. But of course, for two weeks, because it is the first of the two night WrestleManias. Sorry, COVID themed yeah maybe not covid themed covid themed in the sense that there's no one there yeah that's fair i did enjoy that i must say not quite as much as this dog is enjoying a little beehive with some furry bees in there so i'm just gonna mute myself a minute there are at least three matches on that show that is loser gets covid let's not let's not pretend that that's not the case They should have sprayed it in someone's face with the uh, the arrogance that Rick Martel used to have. (laughs) Get someone to sneeze in that and the loser just gets it right in the face. Hello and welcome to the Random Wrestling Review. And once again this week, I have got nothing prepared. So it's all ad-libbed as we go through right now. And that's why I've taken the, the pace down just a notch, just to see if I can give myself some thinking time. And already, before the show's even began, one of our hosts has walked out of out of uh, vision today. They've just decided to go away. Anyway, we are covering WrestleMania 35 today, and I've got two people here to help me do it. The first one of those is old man, Sam Carey. Hello. 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 Uh, hello. <laughs> and hopefully today old man as we were saying before you'll tell me if the microphone starts cutting up and losing well, to me be, to be honest you chat such shit i tend to <laughs> tune it out so yeah i imagine as do most of our listeners and as does Stephen Coriander, who's also with us today when you slowed down a moment ago it really sounded like one of those kind of like late night love <laughs> zone djs which i liked it like come on let's t- tuck yourself in <laughs> and here comes westlife with flying without wings is this a new headset this week? It is, is the yeah. cherry being yeah. broken? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. No I'm a bit pressure. worried about it. It's a li- I think... So it was only after I bought it that I thought, hang on, I think that was a bit cheaper than the one I got before. But the one I got before I couldn't find anymore, which was really annoying because I like that one quite a lot. And so we'll see what happens. I'm a little peek behind the curtain for the listeners. So I've just been dicking around with my lovely little puppy, Patatas. And I've come back and I'm like, oh, it's dark. It's so dark. And I've put another light on and I'm like, why is it still so dark? I realised that uh, on the iPad that I'm using, there was a little banner along the top that was making it dark. So that's uh, that's about the measure of where I'm at today. So that's good. That's riveting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not just late night love. We're also aiming to put everyone to sleep mm. uh, for, for this week. So, you know, this will be fun. I mean, this was a five hour show we were we were watching. So it is rather appropriate. I am in celebratory mode because it is the last of the five hour WrestleManias. I'm very, very pleased. Well, the last until WWE decide to up the two night WrestleManias to five hours, which I can see happening in a couple of years. I could see it five hours each night. But for now, that's not the case. So we're at the end of the five hour era. And so we're in celebratory mood. With that in mind, Stephen, what were you expecting for this episode? I think this is the one I was least looking forward to watching since WrestleMania 12. So we we didn't quite get to. I mean, I, I I was at the show um, and this this weekend the end of this weekend really stopped me watching WWE in, in on a weekly basis pretty much ever since apart from the run to WrestleMania last year so yeah I do not have fond memories of, uh, of this show and I was not looking forward to watching it the end of this weekend does that, does that mean Raw 
as well. Yes. Yeah. The right. raw was the the, 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 t- the raw thing tipped me over the edge, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. No, please do get to it because I didn't see it. I didn't watch it. I had no idea. By this time, I was already out. So I got to like WrestleMania 32 and then was out, basically. Yeah. Um, and I remember actually, I remember us talking about this right at the beginning, like when you first, when I was first on your on your show, Stephen, and thinking, oh my god, I can't believe he still carried on watching after 32, <laughs> and you managed to get all the way to 35. Now I'm going to ask a question here before I move to old man who is still pissing about. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> he's doing. You, this was the last one you went to WrestleMania. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Do you think that that will be the end of it now in terms of you ever going to WrestleMania again? And and if so, why? Not to um, not to give you a review of the show yet, but <laughs> no, no, no. I would have. Do you know what? I really wanted to go to Philadelphia actually next year. Um, but as soon as Cody lost that main event, that was kind of killed off. And I think I probably, I don't, I don't think my chances of going would have been better than fifty-fifty. But I would have tried hard to negotiate to go. I would, if money was no money and time are no objects, I go to WrestleMania every year. But yeah. money and time is an object. I think that I probably will end up going again at some point. But I just don't know what what that looks like. If you want to go really deep. What, what, what you know i'm sure we've got lots of uh, listeners in the same boat as i am and we all are things cost more now interest rates are higher and mortgages are all higher so actually that kind of spare money that we might have had four or five years ago just isn't really there now for stuff like that and we're having to tighten our tighten our belt accordingly so it is it is tougher to, especially two nights what, what would it be 500 pound a ticket now potentially for a decent seat at wrestlemania it's a lot of money thousand pound a flight yeah, I can't be can't justify that anytime soon, I'm afraid. It's interesting. So when me, Tinky and Tommy went to twenty five and twenty six, I remember me and Tinky thought about going to twenty seven. Mm. And I can remember like after we'd kind of decided not to, because of basically everything that you've just said, Stephen, that was the price had gone up so much in terms of like these because we got a package for twenty six. And from memory, it was 800 quid. But I'm not sure. It might have been less than that. And I think the, the same equivalent package was something like 1,200 pounds. Mm. It was it was 150% basically of the original cost. And it was like, oh. Uh, and before you asked me, Tinky, because I know you were going to, I don't think I'll do it again unless we do a random wrestling review, WrestleMania 50 review. <laughs> Well, if, if if this podcast is still going by then, you can you can shoot me anyway. But also, we'll be able to take all the children by then as well. All the children will be old enough to go as well. So uh, yeah. it'll be a mega trip. The, the other thing as well is I I know that not all of us went to AEW uh, All In last year, but that that is a big show, and I feel like that scratches any itch for me. Um, you know, that'll be at Wembley, whether it's forty thousand or fifty thousand, whatever they do next year, they might catch fire and um or, or five, yeah, five people. Um, but <laughs> that's you, a big show. You Matt. <laughs> yeah, me, Matt, a few of the guys. Yeah, but that's that's a big enough show for me. I don't. There's nothing really in Japan. You know, would I again? Would money no objects go to Japan every year? But New Japan's kind of dead now, so there's not really. You know, we get we're going to get a big show next year in the country. That's you know an hour from my house. So why bother? I guess even if it wasn't dead though, you you would you've already done it, right? You've done it now. Like it's been ticked yeah. off. You know what I mean? And I think even if it was just still as electric, your impetus to go would be less anyway because you've done it. That's true. I'm going to see Stardom, but I can't, you know, that again, that isn't, I've not watched a lot of Stardom in the last six months. So I can't even, I couldn't even, you know, justify that in my own mind now, really. But I'm hoping for that Euro Millions win and I'll take it all to WrestleMania every single year. So <laughs> that's just nice. guarantee there. Look forward to that. Definitely. Yeah. So well, man, um, what were your expectations? Well, first of all, just to touch on that, I'm sure I do look forward to Stephen taking us to WrestleMania every year. 
Because then I'd feel obliged to be nice to him. No, you wouldn't have to be nice to him. I, I would be one of those people that don't let anyone treat me any differently. Don't treat <laughs> me any differently. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Just really thank me every single time I take you to WrestleMania and be really nice to me. <laughs> so my thoughts on the show. First of all, a correction. So we are filming this on Monday the 13th of November. So the day after the WrestleMania 34 episode is dropped. And I'm prattling on. And I'm like, Tinky, we watched this at your house. I did a big shit. We ate some pizzas. It was this show. Yeah, I, re- I realised that when I was listening to it back. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I was thinking, I'm pretty sure Old Man and Tom came round for a couple of years. And then Old yeah. Man came round on his own because the year Tom was travelling was the year we would have had to not obviously not be with him. And that's yeah. when you came round. So this was the time when you came round. And I that's what I realised. Yeah. Yeah. My memories of this show were quite hazy. There was there were two things that primarily stuck out. Kofi, Mania, and the main event. And then as the show wore on, I remembered something else that will come up, come on to later. And I remember Kofi Mania being outstandingly done and the main event being a bit of a wet fart because it came at the end of a five-hour and 23-minute show, I think it is, and pretty much everyone being dead. I might have even had two shits at Tinky's house because it was so long, but we stuck through it. We stuck through it and... Yeah, I I was kind of of the same mind as you, Tinky. So I've only done two of these longer shows, but they've been back to back. And I've had a trip to the US in the middle. So it's all been a bit compressed, but I was fucking relieved this was the last really long show, at least until WrestleMania 40 when we cover that. But wasn't really up for this, basically. That's my long way of saying I wasn't really up for this, apart from Kofi Mania. My memory of this wasn't that bad, actually. I, I remember not disliking this at all. And I even wrote a review for this. It's on the Random Wrestling Review website. At the time, I wrote it like in the, the aftermath. And it, it did. I haven't read it back in the lead up to the show, but I my memory is that it's relatively positive. So I wasn't at all dreading it although i you know with the context even that you put in re- just a moment ago and matt had also said that he thought this was an awful wrestlemania when i said oh, i was i was relatively looking forward to this one so yeah I, I i went into this with quite a lot of positivity quite looking forward to it and again of course the fact that it was the last of the five hour ones was quite appealing to me too but i'm looking forward to hearing as we go through Stephen, the reasons why this was your kind of cutoff point we've had that with all of us at some point like matt mm spoke about when he kind of almost dropped down out of it i've spoken about that on a number of occasions over the time we've been doing the wrestlemania we've all had those sort of periods where we've gone now that's it i'm i'm out i guess it's over uh so i'm really looking forward to that and interestingly enough really for me not this was a hopping back on point but it wasn't that much longer after this that I did hop back on. So rather than be the end for me, it was kind of the beginning of me starting to sort of return to watching it more regularly. And of course, it wasn't that much longer after this that we started the podcast. So, so memories. <laughs> so talking points then. Um, why don't we start with you, Stephen? OK, would you like to play a little game? You two. Mm, we like okay, the game. So I listened to, yeah, I listened to the WrestleMania 34 uh, episode in the car to and from work. So I haven't quite finished. I was very amused by the mention of Captain Tom walking around his garden. And I don't know why that made me wet myself <laughs> so much. I literally listened to that about half an hour before I, before I got in. But yeah, that's hilarious. And Tom talked about Triple H at WrestleMania and how some of his matches have been, let's say, absolutely fucking awful. Uh, and I was trying to work out whether... Triple H, if you if you took it in a fighting record, whether he'd be a, have a positive or negative record at WrestleMania in terms of his matches. So I've I've broken this down. I'm not I'm not going three and three quarter stars. I've simply put good, stinker, or okay. Okay. So we'll go through them. There's 23 of them. So 
shout out your answers so and i'm going to go through them and then we'll find out because i've done this already so i know how i feel about triple h <laughs> at wrestlemania so ultimate warrior good stinker or okay but why don't we do it in this order ben you go first and sam you follow oh i don't know i'm gonna go okay yep sam yeah i'll go okay too yep gold dust wrestlemania 13 okay yep okay. sam yep i agree but we're all the same on that owen hart wrestlemania 14 good stinker or okay good yep can't Sam? remember it, so I'll go okay. Okay. Uh, Kane at WrestleMania 15? Okay. Okay. Oddly, I have a memory, and I haven't watched WrestleMania 15 for about four years. Good. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, the four at WrestleMania 16? Oh, this is... I don't mind this. I'm going to go okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going good. Wow. You two are I definitely going to make the positive. So you, oh, sorry. You're going, you're going good, Sam, are you there? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Undertaker at WrestleMania 17. Good. Yep. Jericho at 18. Oh, stinker. Stinker. Yep. Stinker. Stinker. Booker T at WrestleMania 19. Oh, is there is there a level below stinker? <laughs> no, there's not, unfortunately. But I mean, the, the match is okay, but it's the, it's just the whole thing around it's stinker. Yeah. Awful. Yeah, agreed. Stinker. Right. Okay. Uh, triple Threat at WrestleMania 20. It's good. Yep. Good. Uh, Batista WrestleMania 21. I'm gonna go okay. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yep. Yep. That's why I went as well. Seen it at WrestleMania 22. Oh, I think I'm gonna go okay with that one as well. I, I, I overall I'm negative, but I can't call it a stinker. Yeah. I think if you had a pretty bad, it would fall into that category. So I'll have to go okay as well. What? I went good on that one actually. I really Did enjoyed you? that match. And the, yeah, because I was I was at that WrestleMania and the atmosphere made it a really memorable thing. So I've gone good for that. Triple Threat versus Cena and Orton at WrestleMania 24. So it's taken quite a long time. I thought this would be quicker in my head. So it's apologies. Fine. Triple Threat versus Cena and uh, Randy Orton at WrestleMania 24. I barely remember it. Uh, yeah, and I we watched we we did it for this show like I don't know how long ago. Uh, I'm gonna okay. Yep. Sam. I'll go good. Good. Well, okay. Uh, Orton at WrestleMania 25. I think stinker. we're all in the same as that. Fucking stinker. Shit. Stinky. Uh, Sheamus WrestleMania 26. Uh, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I would agree with you. Uh, okay, so the two WrestleMania matches against The Undertaker, 27 and 28. So for 27, I'm going to go okay. Yep. I don't actually like it, but I'm going to go okay. And then I'm going to go good for WrestleMania 28. Yep. And I will go stinker for 27 because I really don't like it. And good for. Oh, you've gone stinker. Sorry, yeah. Good for 28. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lesnar at WrestleMania 29. It's okay. Uh, oh God, I can't even remember it. So I'll go okay, yeah. Okay, I went stinker for that one. Uh, Daniel Bryan at 30. Good. Good. Yep. Th- a sting at 31. Good. Good. Yep. Reigns at 32. Oh, no, stinker. Stinker, stinker yep. Uh, Seth Rollins at 33. Okay. Okay. Yep. I went stinker on that. Rousey and Angle versus Stephanie and uh, uh, Triple H, obviously. Fucking Batista. awesome. Good. Very good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, good. Yeah. And then Batista at this WrestleMania. Stinker. Good. <gasps> good. Ooh. Blimey. Yeah. Stinker. Yeah. Blimey. Yeah, I went stinker as well. So my my end result of this was nine, eight, and six. Nine good, eight. Stinkers and six OKs, and if you right. give me a moment, I'll work out that the, you're you're both. <laughs> so I think you're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four. 
1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Is that right? 12. So I think it's 7, 10. Yeah, sorry. So, There's nothing like maths on a podcast, is there? <laughs> You'll have to cut this out. I'm so sorry. Uh, right. Good. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eighteen. I've lost one of those. Uh, Sam, I'm missing one of yours, unfortunately. Uh, which which WrestleMania? Oh, Undertaker was a stinker, wasn't it? Okay. So I've got you, Ben, as seven, four, and twelve. Right. So more more good than bad and 12 okay, so in the middle. And Sam, you're 9, 5 and 9. So again, a winning yeah. record. Yeah. That's my favourite football formation as well. 9, 5, 9. Yeah. That now, would be every team's favourite formation, wouldn't it? If they could get it. <laughs> the only thing I would say about this, and I, I do think that it is worse than that, because obviously if you're in a featured position on a WrestleMania card, yes. should you not be more than 75% good? I think probably, I think. And a lot of that comes down to how he puts himself in matches that I don't think have much of a chance of succeeding. I, what I would say on that is that he puts himself, despite himself, into matches that don't have a chance of succeeding. But then he also, a lot of the good are ones where he's used the benefit of his own influence to get him in the match and do what he yeah. wants in that match. So even the good are tempered by the fact that he's got more protection from the company than pretty much anybody. In some ways, Triple H in the last 10 years in particular, maybe 15 years, maybe even a little bit longer, has been booked as if he is the the promoter's son. Like you would book Greg Gagne or you'd book the Von Eriks or you'd book, you know, any of those guys. He's had that benefit, that that push from McMahon because he knows he's not going to walk away because he's part of the fabric of the company and the family. So he's almost got that going for him too. So I think even if he has got more good than bad, that's partially as a consequence of how much he's protected by the company itself. Yeah. See, I kind of agree with that, but I do still think you have to put on a performance. So I think 75% good. If we looked at everyone who's performed at WrestleMania, I think that'd come out pretty good. Is he, has he got 75% good, though? He hasn't. No, 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 no. It's, it's oh, probably... Well, you just said he did. No, he no, no I'm, I'm saying have... to be, he should have that, I think, given how fi- how oh, prominently well, he's been apologize. featured. Yeah. In that case, I agree completely. He must have about, in general, less than 50% good, doesn't he? Yeah, so out of out of um, yours, Ben, he's, se- he's 7 out of 16 is good. And yours, yeah. Sam, is 9 out nine out of 16 as well. And I'm eight. I'm 9 out of 16 as well. So, yeah, he's not... He, you roughly know, he's 50% part. then, isn't he? Yeah, he's roughly exactly. between us. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I think a lot of the OKs, I, I probably... If there were five, for example, if you were rating out five different categories, you know, if it was very good, good average poor very poor i think you'd find more would be in the av- very poor and poor than would yeah. be in the good and very good but you know we've got only three categories definitely uh, as for this match I, i've never watched this again never ever since the night and i had no idea that Shawn michaels was out there for commentary which made the whole thing much worse for me and for those who've forgotten if anyone's listening has forgotten kenny omega is light years light years <laughs> better than Shawn michaels in ring and also what was triple h's entrance all about Oh, yeah. it was it was it was Mad Max, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I've written. Mad, I think this is Mad Max, but I wasn't sure, so I'm glad you've clarified that. Oh, Ben. 
I'm pretty sure Mad Max Fury Road came out in 2017. So right. it's classic WWE finger <laughs> on the pole stuff. Well, Michael Cole asks, how cool was that? And my answer was not very, quite frankly. No. So, yeah, this is <laughs> Batista versus Triple H is one of the matches on the show. I haven't got in front of me the time of the match, but 24 it was... minutes and 23 oh, seconds. Now he's dicking around yeah. with that, that yeah. amount of time again. What is he doing? Anyway, the end comes when Ric Flair arrives from nowhere and hands uh, Sledgehammer to Triple H. He then distracts Batista and Triple H hits him with the hammer and pedigree and gets the win. I want to get your take on this, old man, because you were positive about it. Yeah, let's go from the start. HBK, very good on commentary, I'm going to say. Enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fact that he actually gave some context to the match. He made it feel important. This is not an important match. That's not. I know Triple H's career is on the line, but it's not. It's not an important match. This is two mates going like, you know what? They reacted to what was said at SmackDown 1000. Let's like let's have a little scramble around. Loved Batista's entrance. Thought it was absolutely amazing. So for those who don't know, comes down in a little like parade of cars as if he's like the president or something. <laughs> Gets out just in his pants, which led me to think. Any of you guys ever sat in a car just in your pants? <laughs> I've changed for golf driving a couple of times, including changing my trousers. So I have been sat in boxer shorts in a car before. Yeah. yeah. I, I have Thinking? not. No, I have not. No. I've also, not for golf, just for life, really. I've done what you have, Stephen. Probably because I soiled myself, to be honest. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's uh, front up on that. But yeah, I've done that. But I thought, how stupid. How long was he sat in the car, do you reckon? Nice. Liked it. Then what they do, these lads, is they just have a roll around. So Batista's 50 at this point. Very pale. Incredibly pale. Which is, it was about, so there's something about him that just looked a bit off. And I was like, what's going on? Like, he looks so weird. I was like, oh, he's pasty. Pasty. He must have been playing old uh, Drax and been all painted up. But you've got loads of silly shit in this. You've got a finger in the wrench spot like a little hand wrench. Triple H gets Batista's fingers in there. Silly. He then uses some pliers to pull out Batista's nose ring, which I thought <laughs> was just so stupid. I'm like, this is great stuff. They then get into they then get into the part that I imagine you boys absolutely hated, where they just kind of roll around in the in the ring with some still steps there, and then go through the announce table. So there's a back body drop on the table by triple uh, on a table on an announce table sorry that doesn't break it looks rough he then crotch chops towards batista barrels into him so they go through the german announce table a rare sight of the german announce table being smashed and there's a power bomb off the second rope onto the steps by triple h to batista that batista bounces off of and it looks fucking agony even for a man with a back the size of batista then there's a pedigree Gets a two, which I thought was a bit much, to be honest, but it did look like good fun. There's a great DDT cell by Triple H, where he does the old handstand cell. Ric Flair appears. What more do you want? Like, honestly, Ric Flair has probably, to appear. Probably not Ric Flair, I reckon, is probably what I want, especially now <laughs> yeah, but, in AEW Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Like World champion, isn't he? World champion. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Flair is the angle, so he has to come down. Yeah. He has to assist in the beating. Triple H hits a Superman sledge, which is the <laughs> yes. only way I can describe Superman it, sledge. and then a pedigree. Yeah. And I was just, at the end, I was like, I just really enjoyed that. These are two part-timers, one of whom tore his peck in that monstrosity 
in Saudi Arabia with him and old Shawn Michaels and the brothers of being cunts. And <laughs> Batista hadn't wrestled for, I think it was like, it was something stupid, like nine years or some, uh, some stupid amount of time. It wasn't quite that long, but it was, it was a about, long, long time. It was about five, about five years. Yeah. They kept a decent pace considering, you know what? What's wrong with this? There's far worse on this show. Let me tell you what's wrong with it, Shalai, old man. So, first of all, it, it really looked like he hadn't been in the ring for five years. He tripped on the way into the ring, for crying out loud. Like, he tripped mm-hmm. on the ring rope. And then there's a there's a bit where Triple H, where Batista's trying to put Triple H through a table. And Triple H, you know when, obviously, when someone lifts someone else up, the other person jumps for them to make it easy. And it's obvious that mm-hmm. happens all the time. This is so fucking obvious that Triple H is having to do this for Batista because he can't do it on his own. It is ridiculous. And then it's just boring. It's just really boring. The stuff at the start was what I didn't like, where they went straight to like the fingers and the nonsense with the fingers. I think if they had left that for later, it would have been all right when they were exhausted and they needed like something, you know, they needed to take it up a notch. But this was the first thing they did was they went to the fingers with the wrenches and the other tools that I can't name because I'm not very good at DIY. Um, <laughs> and I just thought it was it was just it was just poor. It was just slow. It was just plodding. I'm going to try and be fair. I didn't absolutely hate it. So I did. Did you just burp? Then old man. Fucking disgusting. I did. And I tried to swallow it. I'm really sorry. Flip it out. Well, I hope um, someone's got like a really serious sound system in their car. That's going to come through. And they're like, oh, what, they're wondering what that is. Thinking it's outside. But no, they get a, uh, Sam's burp in surround sound. Difficult edit choice there, I think, for me. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll try and be, I'll try and be a little bit fair because I, I didn't hate it. Like even though I called it a stinker, I think you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being harsh. I, I thought it was definitely below average. But yeah, t- just for me, just not very good. And uh, what's more. This is the bit where, you know, we've been talking about this a lot recently because we've had so many part-timers at WrestleMania during these years. And Alex in particular has been very kind of outspoken about how he doesn't like the returning old guys and whatnot. Here you've got two returning old guys against each other. And I'm just like, if Batista's going to come back, can he use his reflected Hollywood glory on somebody who can get something out of it rather than it always going back to Triple H or even if it had gone back to The Undertaker or John Cena or someone? Surely there's someone else they could have got and given that kind of glory to and i'm sure that batista himself probably requested triple h because he's wrestled him before so he would be comfortable in the ring with him but of course triple h is in this spot because because even if it's not to count towards him being a wrestling star it will count towards him still seeming like a big deal and still being relevant in the kind of pantheon of popular culture if he's the guy who faces the hollywood star so that was another big mark against it for me was triple h the fact that he's in it and it's Triple H versus Batista two guys that I remember we watched their match at WrestleMania 21 or whatever it is when they fought each other and I don't like their style anyway I don't like their their big men who don't do a lot of power moves that makes sense they do power moves but they don't seem to have any oomph behind them they're not like it's not like lesnar or vader or somebody you know they're they're just like kind of kind of big men who kind of just have slow matches it's just not for me work safe not hard hitting yeah yeah Yeah. and working safe is good working safe is always good yeah working safe safe. perhaps i should say it doesn't look like their stuff really hurts which is the art isn't it because brett stuff looks like it hurts but it doesn't yeah and that and that's yeah. it like it's not just and also i don't mind working safe 364 days of the year but here's where you bring it right wrestlemania yeah. up the intensity up the impact take those few risks if you're going to do it because it's wrestlemania mm. 
Oh man, you were going to say something and then I cut you off. I apologise. Uh, I was just going to say about you basically deriding people working safe. Both <laughs> of you. Don't work safe, work dangerous. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I didn't really mean that. I meant as in, I think, okay, so this is, this is. I, I think Ben, I'm not sure how you feel about the example I'm about to give, but Ishii in New Japan mm. is apparently oh. a very, very safe worker. So apparently he's, he's ultra safe. Oof. No, I know, I know. Yeah. He's ultra safe apparently. But his stuff looks like it's killing the other person, and that's that's the Bret Hart model. And mm. apparently, that I've heard that he hit, he hits people in places that don't hurt, and apparently he's very very safe. So yeah, I just think they don't lay it in, do they? And you're absolutely right. That's the night, not Raw or House Show or whatever. That's the night to lay it in at WrestleMania because this is the sort of match that people are going to be watching for years to come thereafter. I tell you what, Ishii is actually my favorite Japanese wrestler. So mm. you know. That, that should give you an idea of what I like. And this Triple H and Batista aren't that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Stephen, did you want to say anything more about this match? I know you kind of did bring it all up. No, just that it was shit. And that's the end of Hunter, isn't it? And sad, well, sadly because of health reasons, but perhaps not sadly because, of, you know, creatively in terms of, I think we've probably seen enough by this point. I think this being the end for Triple H has done wonders for WWE creative. Yeah, big time. Because the fact that he doesn't have to book himself means that he's actually good if he was booking yeah. himself it'd be atrocious actually that was something i've mentioned in my notes but because I, I slightly changed his talking point after hearing tom talk about it it is a bit mad that he's so good and i think he is very highly thought of booking other people mm. but he never really get it right for himself could he no he's, he's absolutely dreadful booking for himself not yeah. not only in terms of what he sets up for himself i.e the, the quality of that's not that good but it brings everything else down when he's mm. booking himself Right, oh man, let's move on to your talking point. Well, we kind of touched on it. I'm going to go with the guest commentators. There's I mean, a lot of them. Jesus. So here we go, here we go, here we go. Where is it? King comes out. Oh, King Charles, you bloody perverts. Tom and his bloody big head. For Styles <laughs> and Orton, for some reason, no one knows why. Paige, who may be oh, the worst commentator God. I've ever heard. Can I, can I say something relatively controversial about Paige? Yes. I find her to be incredibly cringe-making, like just really cringe. There's something about really? the way she talks, the way she acts. I find her so cringy. I can't believe so, that anyone sees any value in her at all because she's like that. She's not. She's not a babyface. She's not a heel. She's fucking dreadful. And the only thing that made her even worse. Not, sorry to steal your uh, talking point. Her and Renee are dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Yeah. We'll circle back to Paige. So I just want to run off, list off the uh, other people. So we then get uh, Booker T comes out for Ray versus Joe. Yeah. JBL comes out for Corbin and Angle. And then I'm like, oh, you know what I'd like for the main event? I'd like a bit of JR. Now I remember that JR is in AEW at this point. Possibly. Don't know. Don't know nor care. But Paige. So this is my impression of Paige. Oh, man, look at them. They're just killing it. They're killing it. I'm so proud of them. They're killing it. Oh, man, they're so... Oh, man, I'm so proud of them. They're just absolutely killing it. They're killing it. And I'm like, fair fucking heels, you can. Yeah. Give, give me something. Yeah. I like both of these. I like them. Aren't they feuding? Surely you should take a side, shouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, 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 just genuinely, I think the worst commentator I've ever heard on anything. I don't know whether this was just me because I was listening to her, but there is a point where it's noticeable where she suddenly stops talking. And I get the impression that Vince was probably in her edge going, shut the fuck up. Mm. You are ruining what is already a very forgettable match. You're making it worse. 
your silly toss part probably is words, I imagine. <laughs> well, you had, yeah. to, you, had to, you had to translate it into English, didn't you, for so Tossbot would have fit well. Yeah, I found the proliferation of guest commentators just excruciating. Like, Matt has talked about, like, not everybody deserves a WrestleMania match. Not everybody deserves to commentate on WrestleMania either. When's my time? When's <laughs> Ishii's time? Was it Ishii you said? Yeah, yeah. Ishii, yeah. Yeah, yeah. when's his time? When's your time, Coriander? I don't know, I'm still waiting for the call. Yeah, when JR comes out, so we had this with the um, end of an era match, JR commentates, commentaries a bit, to be honest, but also there's the Reigns Undertaker match, JR King comes out. What he does is he adds some gravitas to the match. You're like, I'll tell you what, they fucking wheeled out JR, yeah? This is like a pretty big deal. And when you're wheeling out the King, Booker T, JBL, and Page, it's not really a big deal. Like I said, Shawn Michaels was the one for me who I actually thought added something to the match because he actually tried to make it about a feud and he tried to make it about Triple H's career going to end. Like, if he lost, they don't sell the match like that. It's fucking stupid. Like, it's absolutely stupid. No other commentator mentions it, I don't think. But it just made me think, why? And then you listen to Corey Graves and Renee Young for five hours, and you're like, oh, I see why now. Because Renee Young, with respect to her, like, massive respect as well. She was the first female full-time commentator on Raw. Did bloody well for herself. Fuck her, me, she shit. She's terrible. Because she is... Well, she's Corey Graves, isn't she? This is Corey Graves in his most... For me, what the rest of me is that I've watched, this is him at his most... Uh, like he's not anything. He's yeah. not really doing anything. Michael Cole, and we get raspy Michael Cole during the main event. He is putting such a fucking shift in here. So Michael Cole's my MVP already because he manages to steer some absolutely atrocious shit through some matches. Weird. Go away, guest commentators. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't hate it. I didn't mind it as a kind of concept running through the show, but it did kind of accentuate just how many poor commentators they've had over the years uh because mm. obviously booker t and jbl and jerry lawler have all been regulars i i didn't mind michaels i know that Stephen didn't seem to like him I'm, was i was mainly joking with that yeah mainly joking. <laughs> and I, I to be honest i didn't even hate page i just I, my comments were more just generally whenever i see page she makes me cringe there's just something yeah. about her that i find like impossible to want to watch like the minute she comes on screen i'm like oh I get that kind of pulls your gums back over your teeth kind of feel, yeah, and I'm time. like, I'm like, I, I, I need to get her off the off the screen. I just she's just not watchable at all. I wonder if she gets away with it because she's British and they don't. It doesn't translate yeah. to American yeah, audiences. Maybe definitely. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've seen like zany British comedy. Maybe, yeah, maybe. So I didn't really mind the the, the, the guest commentators in the end. I guess it was just to give them all a break because this show, by the way, we have, we said it was long. This is the longest. It's five hours, 19 minutes, this one. There is no need for a WrestleMania or especially this particular show or any show that we've seen over the last few weeks to be five hours and 19 minutes. And I guess that's the only reason. And with, with good reason, I suppose, given the way Michael Cole sounds towards the end of the show. Do you guys know the story about what happened after the show finished? It's probably a good time to throw this in we just touched on there no i do not no so we were lucky in that we'd pre-booked a cab to pick us up at midnight because we thought midnight or ten, maybe 10 past 12 actually and then the main event came on at around that time so we pushed it back to half 12 and it was started to really rain it was quite cold by the time it ended it started to really rain anyway the next day we changed hotels and we went over to near the barclays center and on the news was 
transportation nightmare at WrestleMania. People stuck outside MetLife Stadium for five hours because basically WWE hadn't told the local author- like kind of transport authority that the show was finishing so late. The local transport authority thought that it was finishing at half ten. Wow. And actually, this show finished at 12.26 a.m. So Whoa. people were stranded. And, and it's not an easy place to get to. MetLife Stadium is in New Jersey. It's not in New York. It's probably a solid half an hour drive of no traffic. So, yeah, it was it was a big thing. It was on the news the next day. And it was pouring and pouring and pouring with rain by that point. So just a complete cock up all around. And MetLife Stadium is an absolute shithole that was built as cheaply as it possibly could have been. No roof on an American football stadium in New Jersey because they couldn't afford it. It's a dreadful, dreadful place. And yeah, it's, it's just, it just kind of summed up that weekend and how abjectly poor WWE were at that point in doing pretty much everything. Was this the uh, stadium that Alex was going on about doing the stadium tour for and he thought it was the most amazing thing ever? Yeah, I, I didn't really get that, to be honest. I'm sorry, <laughs> I Alex. Know, I didn't know if this was the one. I couldn't remember anymore. But I think I it was the was, one. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That sounds like they need to have a little scrap, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it <laughs> <Yeah>. doesn't. <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, that's the uh, the game uh, set for the next no, time they face each other. Absolutely um, not. I'm tapping out and doing instructions on that one, I think. <laughs> I, I, I like the, the call of Michael Cole for MVP because he does put a shift in. Mm. Renee Young, I didn't I didn't particularly hate her on commentary, but this is literally probably the only thing I've seen with her as, as on, a com- on the commentary. So it was a one off. She's one of the core reasons at the moment why I can't watch Dynamite. She's that bad. Like every single is. And now over to the remarkable Renee Paquette and you get her doing GCSE drama grade C, just overacting everything because they've given her the freedom in WWE. Like you're doing this and you're doing this. So she was always good backstage because she was better than all the other kind of robots that had in that role. But on commentary, I guess she was overproduced by Vince and she was doing, like you said, Sam, in terms of the buzzwords and the, Mm. oh, well, I have such a great time at WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. But in AEW, They've given her free reign, like they give everyone free reign, and she's trying to ham it up the whole time. And and eight, like watching AEW is, I don't know if you've got mates in your circle of friends who like have done some stuff. Perhaps they've gone travelling together, or they went to uni together, but the rest of you didn't. And it's like when you're watching AEW, you're not in on the joke. So everyone else is in. Everyone else is having a joke about things, but you're not. You're watching it, and you're not in on it. And you're watching some serious match, and the commentators talking about some nonsense you don't get. And that's the best mm. of it. Anyway, I digress. Hang on, I need to pick you up on something in a minute, Coriander. Shit. I got a C, GCSE drama. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry, I've not seen any of Rene Paquette, the remarkable <laughs> Rene Paquette. I reckon we could put on a decent Romeo and Juliet, and I don't think she could. I, I big time. I'm, I'm shotgun Juliet, please. Oh, beautiful. So, hang on, who dies? Me. Both of we you. both do. Oh, hold on. Doesn't you, yeah? They both do in the end, don't they? Spoiler alert. Yeah. Come on, bloody hell! <laughs> um, oh, that that might be that might be the most delayed spoiler alert ever from, from five hundred years ago. Spoiler alert. Don't want you to know. It's like it's like. Oh, by the way, Jesus dies, but then comes back. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry. Um, right. Could we do it like they do in Hot Fuzz? I haven't seen Where, it. I'm afraid. Okay. Sorry. Oh, but yes, but yes, thinking? yes, let's do it. Uh, I can't. I've seen it three or four times, and I can't even. I don't even sure what you're talking about. So. so the guy who has the younger wife, I can't remember who plays him. There's someone quite famous, but they do the production of Romeo and Juliet, and at the end, the lady wakes up and goes, "Oh no!" and then kills herself, and then they do the uh, the cardigan song, "Love me, love me, say that you love me." Hot Fuzz is fucking amazing. Fuck this, I'll go watch Hot Fuzz. <laughs> My talking point. 
so yeah why, why is my talking point going to be good i'm looking through my notes going oh god i need to think of something very quickly what i'm going to do i am going to go straight to the main event i think let's, let's just do that it's a women's title match well, it's for both the SmackDown and Raw titles. Charlotte Flair is a SmackDown champion. Ronda Rousey is the Raw Women's Champion. <laughs> and Becky Lynch is the other competitor in the match. It goes for 21 and a half minutes and ends when Becky Lynch manages to get the victory after uh, catching Rousey with a crucifix when she counters some moves. I'm not really sure what Rousey's trying to do at the time. The reason I want to talk about it is there's a number of things I want to talk about. First of all, Charlotte Flair being in it, because as I've mentioned a number of times in the build up to this show in the previous shows should never have been in the match personally in my view secondly this match begins at about the four out four hour 55 minute mark or something mm-hmm. insane like how can a match be starting five five minutes before the out the five hour mark they've also on top of that they've taken up more time by having charlotte flair be helicoptered in before the entrances land outside the stadium and then have Ronda Rousey come out to Joan Jett and the Blackhearts singing Bad Reputation. I mean, they add another like 15 minutes onto the show in addition to the match itself. Uh, this is at the end of an extremely long show. So they're really testing these women's ability to to have a match that people will be invested in. I think they just about manage it. And I actually don't think it's a bad match at all. I think it's pretty decent overall, perhaps not as good as it could have been. But I still think it's absolutely criminal. Ultimately, the Charlotte Flair is in this match because she shouldn't be for me i said i wasn't watching much at this time the only thing i watched in the build-up to this show was the royal rumble this year and it was very clear to me at that show becky lynch was by far and away the biggest star in the company without a shadow of a doubt the most over in the company the one with the best reactions in the company and ronda rousey was the obvious antagonist for that person being the big star that she is the mainstream mainstream publicity mainstream kind of crossover the main event of wrestlemania should be between the two biggest stars in the company and they were the two biggest stars in the company and they should have been in the main event against each other in a singles match and we talked about a lot in the past about wwe trying to get everybody on the show i don't mind if they want to get everybody on the show but they shouldn't add people to matches that matter just to get them on the show put charlotte flair in a women's battle royal put charlotte flair in a multi-person tag team match whatever but leave the main event for the two people that should be in the main event and i think this could have been a shorter match but just with those two and it would have been a much better match you would have seen that sort of big fight feel i think because you can't get that with a three-way match the dynamics don't work anymore there's no personal interaction between the two people it just melts it all away and that's why multi-person, one of the reasons why multi-person matches are, are not good. And this was a classic example of just being criminal that this was multi-man, shouldn't, or multi-woman, I should say, shouldn't, should not have happened. So I have a theory on this match, in the, not in the match, but how it is done. So, spoiler alert, before this, you get Lashley versus Finn Balor, dressed as the demon, Barry Corbin and Kurt Angle. Now, we'll talk about angles send off in inverted commas later on but so i watched this in three sittings and i watched this last hour which is those three matches in one sitting it is in my opinion it's quite clear that they are trying to make this fail i believe because they do not give these women any chance at all kind of to your point to get it starts so late it's so late and it also comes before two matches that have basically killed the crowd that they don't care about Porker Angle. They don't care about. They then 
do the whole thing with the entrances, to your point, Tinky, where they're dragging out and they then don't have the fucking balls to allow Becky Lynch to submit someone because that is what this needed to kind of... And I think Becky Lynch got to be where she is in the company, kind of despite what the company have done with her, in particular at this stage. Like They wouldn't put her over clean. They would not put her over clean here. It's terrible. Corey Graves says the only sensible thing that he says all night, which is that he would have preferred a conclusive finish to the main event. But it all just kind of feeds into this thing that I felt when I was watching the whole thing, that these women are almost against the company. Ronda Rousey is fucking laying stuff in so hard early on that they then work incredibly stiff. All three women work incredibly stiff through the whole thing. And they do absolutely everything they can in a triple threat match that goes beyond five hours into a wrestling show. You've got Ronda Rousey tipping over a table, saying the table is not going to be used, which is probably almost my MVP moment if it wasn't for Michael Cole's raspy vocals. But I think that they do a miracle to get what they get out of this crowd because the crowd are dragged to this main event through thorns, a bit of dog turd, (laughs) and just loads of crap. I was just really fucked off, to be honest, at the end of it. So I was like, they've really tried to fuck these women over. And I didn't like it then, but I... I didn't mind it then. I can remember just being very tired watching it around Tinky. So I think it finished. I think we finished watching it at about five o'clock in the afternoon. I think it would have been later. I reckon it's later than that if we finished it. Yeah. I just felt fucking awful for them, to be honest. I just thought they've given them nothing here. Get Rousey to come out as well. Like, God bless her. She loves the. She loves an uncontrollable grin. When she turns around and sees Joan Jett and the black guys performing, she's got this shitty grin on her face because she's like, I can't fucking believe this is happening. I main event in WrestleMania coming out to Joan Jett singing my entrance song. And it just kind of, it that doesn't help. But she, I think because she works so stiff in the early stages, she gets away with it. But I just thought this was such a fucking wasted opportunity and it feels like it's a way for them to go. Actually, didn't really work when we did it, headlining the main show. I know that we've had women's matches headline night one of WrestleMania since. They ain't going to be put into this main event spot anytime soon, I don't think. Although that may change now Vince isn't there. We talked about, obviously, we watched five hours and 19 minutes of this show. But the reality is the show was actually seven hours and yeah. 19 minutes. Yeah. So, you know, we, we got there about quarter past six and we rolled straight into MetLife Stadium and the stadium was 95% full when we got there. So they, these, if you go back and watch the pre-show matches, the, the stadium was was pretty full early on. Now, I, to, to put this in context, are you, you you two, I'm guessing potentially not, but I want to cast, don't want to assume, are you guys cricket fans at all? Yeah. You no. are a cricket fan? No, yeah, great. I am, yeah. So if you turn up at a test match, test match starts at 11 o'clock and finishes about half six. And that is a day at a test match is the same length pretty much as this show was from the start. <laughs> and that and that and that sums it up. And a day at a test match, you get eleven till one, you get forty minutes off, one forty till three forty and you get twenty minutes off. And it's sort of thing you can wander around, and you're not paying attention to it. It's a it's a very much a, you don't have to see every ball at a test match. And that's what these girls were were, were facing this night. And this was eleven fifty New York is is different to uh, New Orleans or something like that sort of place where the crowd is all pretty much flying. 
this would have had a huge percentage of people commuting to this show from the tri-state area big metropolitan metro how do you say that word metropolitan metro i was gonna say metropolises there you go there you go. I'm not sure that's actually right. I think you know it's metropolitan I mean? is the word you're looking for. Yeah, big city, big city. I guess change all that. Big cities around there <laughs> with lots of people, big populated areas. And this is 11:55, and this starts on a Sunday night. You think these people driving back to Philadelphia an hour and a half, driving driving to Boston, you know, three or four hours up up the up the freeway. 11:55 on a Sunday night. This started. This and that helicopter thing. I remember sitting in that crowd. And it was probably 10 degrees at this point. I know you like weather reports. 10 degrees little bit of little bit of rain in the air but not too much i'm like what the fuck are they doing why is she not in the ring yet and that helicopter thing if you actually think about it if you were in the main event of wrestlemania why would you want to travel there by helicopter sure that's a whole lot of stress that you just don't need just stay in the vicinity and get a car ridiculous i thought as you said sam i thought the crowd tried to get into this at points but they'd had the soul sapped out of them like how, how do you get into something when you've been there for so long on, on the night i enjoyed this more than i did watching it again but the finish is so so bad this is the main event of wrestlemania and they botched the finish to the point where on the night i thought is this an angle to set up a Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey rematch. But it wasn't. It was just a botch. And they botched it. And the referee or somebody should have had the nous to, to do it again. And apparently Vince was the one backstage on commentary that drew attention to it. But after that, I'm pretty sure it wasn't ever really mentioned again that this was that this was done in this way. So, yeah, this was this was just really, really, really unfortunate that, that what, what this, you know, what this meant to women's wrestling everywhere other than Japan, obviously, that have been doing women in main events for 40 years at this point. But what this meant for women's wrestling and women's combat sports all around the world was massive. But they just were in an impossible position where they couldn't really deliver this at a high level and they did their best. But unfortunately, I, th- I think it just it wasn't a, it wasn't a success. I didn't think, unfortunately, in any way, shape, or form. Can I just not challenge? Challenge is maybe a too strong a word here, Stephen. But maybe just clarify something. You talked about the fact that in Japan they've been headlining shows for a long time. They yeah. haven't been headlining shows that men are on, though, are they? Have they? No, that's true. You know, to, which again would be the the next kind of thing that they need to be able to they should be able to do because ultimately well there's a cultural difference though isn't it what does that mean like it, what i'm saying is culturally it would have you know 10 years before this it would have been unthinkable that the women would headline a pay-per-view with men with well, the men on i think i saw okay so you, i i would i would flip that and make it and, and look at it in a slightly different way that women's wrestling in japan has always been pushed as a thing that can draw without men yes that's fair. Yeah, no, that's um, fine. So that, that that's kind of the the opposite view of it. But I I, I, I think it's just different, isn't it? But I, I I only sort of say the Japanese thing is a slight joke. But when they were talking about the women's revolution all that sort of, sort of stuff in WWE, it was a bit of a uh, well, it's not really the truth. But yeah, I just felt for them because I was into Becky Lynch going going into this. I you know as you said, Ben, she was the biggest star in the company dating back from the Royal Rumble. She was popular in spite of what the company were pushing. They didn't give her the one on one match of Ronda, which is absolutely should have been. This should have been third. 13 or 14 minutes with Rousey. Yeah. All, all bells and whistles, everything. And then she should have beaten her at the end. Whether she pinned her or submitted, I didn't really mind, but she'd have been clean as a whistle at the end. And yeah, it just didn't quite get there. And unfortunately, within about six weeks, actually less than that, within within a very short period of time, they'd programmed her on screen with Seth Rollins, which I think was the death knell of both of them, really. Becky's still popular mm-hmm. to, a le- to a level, but she's not staying. At this time, we're, we're thinking, is this, is this a new Steve, Steve Austin? Austin? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, you know, actually, funnily enough, in Sasha Banks, they had the new Rock and in Becky Lynch, they had the new Austin. And yeah. they didn't treat either of them the way they needed to to exploit that. That's a yeah. major problem. 
Just go back to something Stephen said. He said, drawing without men. Was that another Westlife song? I wish it was. He said that then. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. <laughs> okay, so what we'll do is we'll very quickly go to the start of the show because I fear that we've got a bit more than an hour to go <laughs> today. <laughs> so we start the night with Yolanda Adams, who is introduced to sing America the Beautiful. Big, dramatic, got a choir, higher tempo than usual, I noticed. Starting to get a bit Disney for me, this was. Mm. Different, but over the top, perhaps. And then we had a heli- the helicopters do a flyover slowly. So it wasn't the air- it wasn't the, <laughs> the fighter jets this time, it was the helicopters. And then they were a little bit out of formation as well, I thought. <laughs> and, then, and then finally the fireworks. I mean, look, I, I'm being hypercritical because I can't fly a helicopter. But ultimately, <laughs> if I'm going to do it in a show, then I want it to be pretty much perfect. If they get into get get too close information, they crash a load of people die. So I'd rather they're probably out of formation, really. Fair, so fair enough. <laughs> I thought Yolanda was right. I liked the effortless way in which she hit some notes. There was like no effort. It was not quite Marvin Gaye, but Marvin Gaye-esque. Wow. I agree on the helicopters. Dreadful. <laughs> it was like it was like a wonky kite up there. <laughs> the thing is, Stephen, I take your point. You don't want them crashing and killing everyone, but. To be in formation, you don't have to be close. Look how Man not. City play their white players. Look 9 5 9. 9 The great formations of our time. <laughs> yeah, finally there were fireworks after all this. And then we go into the intro vid. I had a question about this. Okay. These helicopters aren't very far past when these fireworks go off. It's got to be scary, isn't it? That, that, that's more dangerous than them being in formation. I would suggest. Yeah. yeah. The old fireworks formation. <laughs> then we get the intro vid, which I haven't got any notes about. The only one I've got, only, all I've got is all the world's a stage. We are the players. We are the storytellers. So they're paraphrasing Shakespeare, obviously. I quite like this. It wasn't too different, but it was just done in a slightly different way, which I which I appreciate. It was all right. But Seth Rollins doing Shakespeare is something I, I didn't need to <laughs> see again. What, what grade would yeah. you give that a GCSE, Stephen? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't better than me, and I, I was the star in Between Mouthfuls, which was a, a short <laughs> play. <laughs> short play. This is my, my GCC performance, where two couples were having an affair. So if, if you two were together and Alex and yeah. Matt were together, then Sam, you'd be having an affair with Alex and Ben, you'd be having an affair with Matt, but you're all in the same restaurant at the same time, but on diff- in different sides of the room. And the whole story is played out from what the waiter, a.k.a. me, Stephen Coriander, hears... And I went off stage at least 12 times to check my lines and still managed to get a C. So there we go. Um, this is nothing against Matt, because let's be honest, we'd all be jealous. But I feel like old man's got the, uh, the better <laughs> side of that deal, to be honest. Um, where's Tom? Where's t- just look- looking, through the- looking through the window on the outside, basically, having a wank. <laughs> so, so pretty much what he always does then. Yeah. We then see the stage for the first time is one humongous curved screen, which I did think was quite impressive. But I don't. Where do they get this? Where do they get something like this? Mad. Soon they've got to build it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I suppose so. So wow. I can tell you exactly what it is. It's probably about 200 separate panels put together. But they don't look like it. It's not like the old days where you could see like the individual monitors. Oh, no, that was amazing. <laughs> That always reminds me of Razor Ramon's music, where they used to like bring the separate ah, things on the yeah. screen. Always. 
Then Mike Rome introduces the host of WrestleMania, Alexa Bliss. The Raw commentary team is Michael Cole, Corey Graves and Renee Young. Bliss welcomes us to WrestleMania and she shares that she has all the crowd and WrestleMania in the palm of her hands, which means if she wants a WrestleMania moment, all she has to do is to click her fingers. To prove it, she clicks her fingers and Hogan's music hits and we join and he joins her on the stage and we they don't do anything. <laughs> they don't do a thing. I tell you what, for like a few minutes and that's it. This on this on TV looks like it got a good a good. Oh God, I've got his cash in Ben. This oh. on TV looks like it got a good reaction, but this was really awkward in the stadium because this is around the time that Hogan's being brought back into the company after the horribly racist things. So I remember it was a bit of the old like and like looking at each other a bit awkward. Like I don't really want to cheer this, even though it did get a de- it did look like it got a decent reaction, but it really didn't it didn't hit at all in in the stadium or certainly in the block that I was sitting in on that night. Yeah, I mean all all Hogan does is he comes out, gets the venue wrong again, but this time most definitely on purpose. I mean the other the WrestleMania theory, even if it was on purpose, it's plausible that it looks like he didn't. This time it's obvious. And then they Hogan and Bliss Hogan and Bliss pose before Paul Heyman charges to the ring. This was stupid. I didn't understand why they did this at all, this Hogan and Bliss thing, other than to just get Hogan on the show, I suppose. He did botch it by on um, yeah. as a joke, but then he botched it for real. Because he called yeah. it MetLife Center or it was MetLife Stadium. <laughs> so yeah. Idiot. Moron. So Paul Heyman charges to the ring, and at this point, old man is a fateful moment. It's Bobby G Mania four. Because Bobby oh. G, the sign in the crowd, is there again. <laughs> Fuck off, Bobby G. Then Paul Heyman grabs a mic <laughs> and says that if his client is not on last, then he's not hanging around. So he's going to get things done right away, after which Lesnar's going to fly out to Vegas where he is appreciated. He then introduces Brock Lesnar and the opening match is about to begin. A universal title match between Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins. Now, there's an awful lot of action that happens before the bell, but after the bell, there's only two and a half minutes of action. And in the end, Rollins hits a number of curb stomps and then gets the pin. Stephen, what did you think of this? I just thought this was such a bad placement, this this match, because I think Seth was actually over, and I've talked about this on the show before. This run of Seth Rollins was probably the best it's taken a lot to rehabilitate him but I think people were into him at this point but having this go on first when probably should have been the semi-main event position of the whole night depending on what you do with Daniel Bryan and, and Kofi but you could have had those, those matches back to back at the end that's how I, I my preference of doing things I thought Seth did that classic if you're ever watching like behind the scenes of NXT they'd show a wrestler coming down to coming down the aisle and then you have to like do something a bit kind of like character wise to show that you're different when you're doing an entrance. So Seth did this, this classic sort of show some personality as if he was going to get some pyro, but the pyro never came and it was really, really awkward. And I don't know (laughs) if if there was some sort of mistake there. Brock had got his WrestleMania tan on for this and looked absolutely wonderful. Mm. Wow, what a tan. Absolutely. absolutely He looked good. He did look really good, didn't he? He looked like he'd been in the Caribbean for six months. But he also looked slightly more slender than he did as well. He just he was looked in super good. shape. Yeah. yeah, I bet Sables enjoyed him during this period. <laughs> I really enjoyed Lesnar hurling Seth headfirst into on the German commentary team. And Michael Cole said, Rollins being thrown into uh, one of our German announcers because he did, he clearly didn't know what the bloke's name was. <laughs> I thought this was decent. The crowd was into this. The crowd was into this, but they could have played it out a little bit longer. And yeah, I, I don't think Seth came out of it looking particularly strong as Brock didn't get a single offensive moving after the low blow. So I think you probably need to build this a little bit more, maybe give Seth a stronger win. But I thought this was one of the better things on the whole show. Oh, man. I love Heyman bombing down to the ring. I tend to agree with you, 
Stephen in there. I don't think this is the best placement for the match, but they've got themselves in this fucking hole, haven't they, with the main event? Yeah. This is the trouble, is they'd already said they're like, oh, yeah, we're a really progressive company, so at WrestleMania 35, we're going to have some ladies main event the show. <laughs> we're progressive. Don't, don't forget that. We're progressive. Lesnar, to your point, is sexy. It's pretty much what <laughs> yeah, we were saying. Seth Rollins, Beast Slayer. The fuck is that? He ain't even had the fucking match. And he's got Beast Slayer across the fucking shithouse massive screen that Tinky was beating off over. I just <laughs> I, 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 I don't like it. Don't like it. But I then wrote really crap, but probably leans into his complete lack of character beyond being handsome. And Tom seen the underside of his knob. So that yeah, is. I've forgotten probably... that photo. Yeah, 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 it's good. It's good. Mm. Mm. Tom Phillips had a photo, yeah. sort of, didn't he? Or did he just send a photo saying, like, I'm on a plane, I've got a boner over you or something? Do you remember that Whoa, one? No, don't remember Tom that Phillips. at all. Yeah, I'll have a little look. I mean, Carry on. This I, is going to break. Tom, I, was gonna, I was gonna say this is going to break old man's heart. This. Well, it won't break my heart, mate. It'll break my bloody pants. But um, <laughs> yeah, I I think this was a nice little mess about. Uh, they tried to do something a bit different with the beat in before the bell. As you said, Stephen, Rollins getting thrown headfirst into a German announcer was absolutely cracking. I didn't mind that Rollins hits a low blow and then uh, Lesnar didn't get anything else in because I think it made the three stomps mean something. It needed three stomps to beat him. Heyman's face expression on the three count is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. You get a good view of it in the replay. Yeah, and then they fuck up Rollins completely a month and a bit later. So I think it was you, Tinky, said they pair him up with Becky Lynch. That was that and, was Stephen because I didn't even realise yeah, they did that. Stephen, <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you're basically the same person. And uh, yeah, uh, terrible. Like this is outside of, and I think it's more the moment of WrestleMania 31. This is as hot as Rollins is, I think. Like genuinely hot, and they kind of mess up a bit after, but it's a cracking moment. So. WrestleMania moment number one ticked off. The impression of this I got was that they just didn't really mind not protecting Brock Lesnar anymore because it already yeah. put Roman Reigns over him. That was the impression yeah. I got. It, I didn't feel... This is the interesting thing, not watching it at all other than Rumble and WrestleMania, which I had been doing for sort of two, three years. Is I had no no inkling that Seth Rollins was any more over at this point than he was at any other time. So my impression of this match was, okay, this is the universal title match. And it probably wouldn't have been had Roman Reigns not had to you know deal with what he was dealing with at the time. So they were like, well, might as well just chuck him out first. It doesn't really matter. We're not really that bothered. We're not that up on Seth Rollins. And we're not really worried if Brock Lesnar loses because we've already had him put Roman Reigns over the way we wanted him to anyway. That's just the impression I got from it. At the time, and this, and I didn't see it any differently this time, but as I say, I wasn't watching. So it, it wasn't clear to me that Rollins was any more over than he'd been at any other point i liked it i thought it was really fun the the beat you know the fight beforehand or at least brock lesnar beating seth rollins up before the match and then the match went two and a half minutes fine it is it's more of an angle isn't it than a match because yeah. of the fact that you've, mm. you've got two and a half minutes of a match but um what it was 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 pretty good from my perspective but anyone like a tom phillips update i'd yes. love one i'd love one Okay, so the photo is Tom Phillips sitting on a plane with some, you know, like big headphones around his neck, and his eyes are bulging and his mouth is closed. And she wrote ha 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 to that uh, that that, uh, that that photo, and he wrote, "I'm in my seat with a massive erection and a four hours flight ahead." And then slightly less romantically, "I'm going to face fuck the shit out of you," which is not all that nice. And then Missy, the tattooed girl, wrote on Instagram, "This is why I don't trust people." 
Without my friends, I never would have known that a high-profile WWE commentator who was talking to me and wants to get together is engaged. I had zero idea and couldn't be more sorry to the girl involved. You deserve better than this. Apparently, nobody's faithful anymore. Hashtag WWE. Hashtag SmackDown. Hashtag Tom Phillips. Hashtag NXT. Hashtag wrestling. And that was it. I think Tom Phillips split up his fiance as a result of that. Oh, I'll be honest. A sad story all round. That's disappointing. That's, he's on the shit list now, I think. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag and now he's, scandal. And now he's got, yeah. yeah, hashtag scandal. And now he's got a commentator for impact if things weren't, couldn't possibly get any worse in his life. Have you seen that? They've rebranded to TNA and they've got their first TNA pay-per-view in Las Vegas and they've sold, the last time I looked, and this is obviously two weeks, going to be out two weeks after this, I think they've sold 467 tickets to that pay-per-view in Vegas. Hard, TNA Hard to Kill. Hard to Kill is yeah. an apt title, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, to, um, to be fair, those are numbers that AEW can only dream of. Yeah, yeah. I've so, Tony can. <laughs> old Tony <man's>, can't. <laughs> old, <laughs> man, old man's fortnightly dig at AEW and Tony Khan there. <laughs> then we get uh, WWEshop.com advert, and then Jerry Lawler is introduced oh, as a special guest commentator with Tom Phillips and Corey Graves for a SmackDown match. Before we've had a SmackDown match, so I had to look up who was the regular uh, person that he was replacing, and it was Byron Saxton. So pretty much nobody, quite mm. frankly, he was he was replacing. <laughs> I was more excited by the completely uninteresting WWE Shop advert than I was by the appearance of the King. So as I say, one more match before we go to break. AJ Styles versus one Randy Orton match. is up next. One more match. One more match. It's 16 minutes and 20 seconds. Styles goes for a springboard, something or other. Um, Orton almost hits an RKO, but Styles pushes him away and then hits a phenomenal forearm and gets the pin. Styles the victor here. Old man, what do you think of the match? I like this. Just thought this was very enjoyable. They do all the stuff. They play the hits, but they throw in a top rope superplex by Orton. Big one. Styles play the kick to Orton as he's on the top rope. Wow as he's kind of on the top rope, and a phenomenal form to the outside. And I just thought, you know what this is? This is two lads confident in what they do. So they just go, cool, we're going to do this. And then they throw in those extra things to make it special. To your point, Tiggy, sorry, I talked to you, but that top rope superplex is a thing of absolute beauty. And it's absolute ripper. And they even get a nice little angle out of it. Like, sorry, an angle into the match as well, where it's you've got the guy who had to make his name all around the world to get to WWE, to get to WrestleMania, even though he's wrestled on WrestleMania before. Then there's Orton, who's the WWE man. I just thought this was cracking little stuff. There is an issue with some lights from the stage, which were apparently shining into the face of a load of people in the crowd, <laughs> which is why there is odd cheering and booing intermittently through the match. But yeah, cracking stuff like this. Yeah, I did I wonder think, why that was happening. Yeah, they, I think their ret- retinas were being burnt out and they finally yeah. turned them off about uh, 10 minutes into huge cheers. I was watching this match at 7.46 a.m. That's my life now, getting up very early for work. And this nearly sent me back to bed, if I'm honest, because it was so boring. Uh, um, apologies for, if you like this. But at some point after WrestleMania 33, something in AJ's matches just changed and they didn't connect at the level that they did before. And I think a big part of that was... Your expectations, like that Shinsuke Nakamura match, which actually I remember watching back. Like that, and, and I think you guys said it, perfectly decent. But I legitimately thought going into that, is this going to be the best match I've ever seen live? And does this have a chance of being the best match ever? Because this is the year of 
Omega Okada won. So they're kind of, oh, yeah, like the melts are six stars and all that sort of nonsense. You thought this has got a chance to beat that, but it obviously didn't. But I, I thought that this was pretty slow paced in front of a kind of uninvested crowd. And I didn't enjoy this very much, I'm afraid. I kind of see AJ Styles' run in WWE, especially after the first couple of years, as being, right, What, who what is on my bucket list, list left to fight in terms of big names? That mm. seemed to be what he was going for. Like He, he petitioned him, obviously, for the following year to face The Undertaker. He petitioned him the following year because he wanted to face Triple H in a singles match. It was almost like he was just like, right, I've wrestled everybody. I've been all over the world. I've won everything. There's nothing more I can do other than take on the big monuments of this sport. And one of them would be randy orton and that's why this match exists i didn't mind this match i didn't think it was it was terribly boring but i did feel like the first sort of five ten minutes passed pretty damn slowly and almost to make up for that there's loads and loads of talk on commentary about orton's relationship with his dad and it goes on forever it goes on forever and ever and ever jerry lawler's going on about how his dad doesn't like him and all this stuff it's like (laughs) what the fuck is what what the hell are you talking about like this has got nothing like because they're trying to play into the idea that randy orton's been given everything whilst aj styles is to go around the world and do it but uh, uh, it was just it was just perplexing Um, i really like the idea of bob being a real bastard to randy at christmas like just won't (laughs) look at him so it sets his place right down the other end so he can't even have to doesn't even have to look at him won't see him won't speak to him always gets him a shit present at christmas he doesn't want yeah i really like that yeah, that that was really odd at the start, but the the rest of the match was 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 decent enough. And as I said, I really did like that that top rope superplex. That was pretty. It was massive. It was just so high. Yeah. That for me is this match's WrestleMania moment. I suppose so. Do they all have to have a WrestleMania moment? Is that the rule uh, now? I think they all will because we've got an incredible WrestleMania moment coming up shortly. Right. Well, we'll look forward to that in our second part because we're going to take a break right there. Um, We'll be back just after the break with the rest of WrestleMania 35. Yo, 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 yo. Kill the beat, kill the beat, kill the beat, kill the beat. The doctor with thugonomics is back. And poor Elias just got the worst deal. Cause you standing in the ring when John Cena about to turn heel. Silence your cell phone, hold your applause, shut your mouth and no string plucks. Feel like I'm watching one of my movies cause this whole damn thing sucks. This means walk with Elias? Nah, I'm not really feeling it. Because without the guitar, what it really means is wasted wrestling experiment. (laughs) I'm a bad man, my style like a pit bull bit you. And you ain't even half a dog, you just a little piece of shih tzu. But you just put it on the shelf Cause everybody here just saw You only like playing with yourself 
and they call me the golden shovel. So I'm about to bury a push. Your face looks like my nuts. Except you got a hairier bush. <laughs> oh, looks like I wore out my welcome. It's about time that I left you. So there'll be no AA for today. But you about to get the F you. Oh, okay, welcome back. So next up, there's something very strange that happens. Maybe someone can explain it to me. I, I don't understand it at all. Lacey Evans comes out for about 30 seconds. She comes out onto the stage, poses, and then walks out. What's yeah. that about? Well, this is her WrestleMania moment. This is the WrestleMania moment of the night. Right, I see. Okay. Yeah, that's what this is. This is what this WrestleMania is all, all about, basically. I mean, it must be. Why, why else is it happening? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I didn't understand it, Stephen. I wondered if you could bring some context, but maybe not. No, I just wondered how much you got paid for. That. Do you think it was five figures? <laughs> it must if be it ten is, grand. If it is, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do anything <laughs> for that. To be honest, for one night's work, bring it on. Any, any listeners out there, just name. Give me something to do. It doesn't have to be. It can be very depraved. Just bring it on. Five <laughs> figures. Let's go. Especially if it's Alex right. who's, who's buying it. <laughs> okay right i feel like we need to explore this how far are you going how far do you want me to go well i do really want you to go i haven't got 10 grand what i'm trying to do is basically i want to find out what you will do and then i'll do slightly less i don't particularly feel like i want nine thousand five hundred. <laughs> thing is it's like who who really wants that anyway from me anyway so i think there's probably not going to be too many people out there with Aww. Yeah. I think in practice, talking about that was less interesting than you hoped for, wasn't it, old man? <laughs> mm. It was, because I thought Stephen was really going to get into it. We find out that he likes having, like, curtain rails shoved up his butt or something. I, I mean, don't think I we... would do that for 10 grand, but it'd have to be, it'd have, as long as it didn't kill me, as long as it wasn't like a, as long as it wasn't the guy in our WhatsApp group recently that I've been enjoying some performances of style thing, which I think we can just about get away with that without reading, without actually saying on the podcast rather than actually saying the specifics performance oh, of this Barry person Moore. no you can't say it you can't say it why, why can't you why can't you say it Stephen? why explain right, yourself you can say it you can say it you can say it <laughs> well, i thought that was maybe for legal reasons you couldn't actually say it oh my god it's Probably. taking a dark turn it's taking a dark turn isn't it not, not quite as dark as the turn in that swimming pool for that poor fucker mm. that got killed smackdown tag team titles were next ben <laughs> yeah let's move on fuck <laughs> michael used... barrymore it's the Usos, the Bar, Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura, and Alex, Alistair Black, and Ricochet. <laughs> Alex, Alex Black, Black. <laughs> in, a, in a ten minutes, ten second match, and it's won by the Usos when they super kick Sheamus and then hit the double oos. Apparently, it was called on Sheamus and get pinned to retain their titles. Stephen, um, I should know, but I don't know. I feel like I need Matt for this. But does Ricochet still have this music? Because it was an absolute no. tune. He doesn't. No, it's a shame. No. no, they changed it to David Bowie Ricochet from the album Let's Dance, released in 1983. I presume that's not reality. <laughs> no, it's, it's just one of true. old man's incredibly dry and completely <laughs> random <laughs> silliness. Basically. Did you watch the <laughs> Big Brother when David Bowie's ex-wife was on it? No. No. Do you know the story about when they thought that basically, yeah, she, yeah she'd been told 
David's dead and she told one of the people in the house there was David Guest was in the house so the person she was telling thought that David Guest had died and not David Bowie so it was it's worth oh, I've explained that very well it's worth a it's watch. amazing it's absolutely it, incredible it's incredible yeah David's dead I mean, <laughs> it, it is z-list celebrities losing their shit over someone they've known for about 14 minutes yeah who, is who, who wasn't dead, dead. Who, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, are either you watching well, the current thanks, Big Steve Brother? And I, yeah, sorry, I brought Lower the Town again. Are either you watching the current Big Brother on ITV2? No. I know because I, no? I, no, I, I like to ram my head into walls instead. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Ben, I um, you can obviously tell me if you're wrong. I reckon you were a massive Big Brother fan back in the day. No, no, not particularly. Well, I mean, not? I did, I did uh, watch the first two, and then hmm. I happened when I was then I think was it five and six were on when I was at university. I watched both of those because my housemates did, but I I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't big on it. I think six was Ziggy and Chanel, wasn't it? I believe. <sighs> I can't remember. And, and Brian and the twins. Anyway, I should move off that and get back onto this SmackDown tag team title match. Uh, I thought that. His music paired in a lovely way with uh, Alistair Black's. And I, these two had a phenomenal <laughs> match with the uh, War Raiders on the, the Friday Night NXT show, which was the, probably, maybe, the best show WWE have ever put on, actually. There's a little uh, controversial suggestion there for you both. I thought this was actually surprisingly good. Some really fun spots. Didn't outstay his welcome. Uh, and the moment of the match for me was defying physics uh, by taking a shooting star press bump from a bro kick, which was just out of this world. Just, yeah, I thought this was actually really, really good. Going back to the finisher, the double loose, is that what was hit on that poor lad in Michael Barrymore's pool, do you think? <laughs> now I can't edit it out, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the battle of the match together teams and the Uzus, but this is very enjoyable, little fast-paced, completely inconsequential 10 minutes, isn't it? I mean, I know Stephen mentioned the bump off the bro kick is just outstanding there's also there's the swing spot where um cesaro might be swinging actually can't remember yeah can't remember who but they were holding their head and then old sheamus does the 10 beats of the bell end to all of the other combatants in the match as the spin is going on and then they do that thing that they have to do for multi-team tag team matches at wrestlemania where everyone gets to hit their finisher but it really worked this time i thought and it was a nice little end to what was a very good good little rollicking 10 minutes of fun thanks everyone yeah i thought this was fine i didn't i wouldn't go mad for it but it was all right for what it was yeah i don't really know what else to say i mean it was fine you, you've 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 said everything that was good about it i don't particularly like matches where they have those tower of dooms or whatever they're mm. called mm. I, I just find them just shit to be honest i really don't like them but everything else is fine and i did enjoy the cesaro swing on whilst Seamus did the 10 beats of the bell end on everybody. It was good stuff. <laughs> Next, we get highlights of the 2019 Hall of Fame ceremony. The class this year are Harlem Heat, Bruce Beefcake, Tory Wilson, Honky Tonk Man, Sue Aitchison, who is the Warrior Award winner, the Heart Foundation and D-Generation X. John Cena's suit was stained on one shoulder, I, I noticed, during the, uh, was it? the highlights. Yeah. No, it was like a red. I mean, unless he'd bled whilst doing it, I don't know. <laughs> and then I, what I felt about here, this this class, was it was, in inverted commas, a creative Hall of Fame yeah. class. Like, we really haven't got anyone, so should we just fucking put DX in and the Heart Foundation mm. and Harlem Heat and, you know, that, that'll do? Like, it really didn't feel like they had anybody for this year. 
I mean, we do now have Billy Gunn, who's the best pure athlete in the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> so we do have that, at least going for it. But I completely agree. I mean, with respect, pardon me, the fuck off. Beefcake? Nah, sorry, mate. Tory Wilson? I'm sorry. Sue Aitchison? No, don't care, to be honest. Oh, I administer WWE's Make-A-Wish thing. So you work for WWE, all right, cool. Fucking hell. Fuck off, Sue. And, and that bloody, <laughs> and that Dana Warrior. Oh, I work in creative, I do. Fuck off. But I do agree that the Honky Tonk Man should be there, purely because, you know, the Intercontinental title for that long. Heart Foundation, 100%. Loved the bit where Natty and Brett are in the ring, which is, it's like a ring set stage thing, isn't it? This is the one where Bret Hart gets attacked, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, luckily he's all right. And he can still say, what do you say, Anvil? And then Anvil does his laugh on the screen, which I thought was actually a really quite a sweet moment for WWE, considering they're a bunch of cunts. And uh, BX, yeah, whatever, like, deserve to be in there, really, probably. But yeah, fine. I'm glad I didn't go. Did you go, Stephen? No, I was at Madison Square Garden for the New Japan show, but it, it it kind of reverberated through the building when the, the Brett thing happened. And I, I can't remember what match it was. It was probably like a fairly well-promoted match, but everyone was looking at their phones and um, kind of mm. seeing what happened with Brett. But the, the, probably the moment of the night was Cash Wheeler's uh, instant revenge on the, the gentleman that did it, the MMA fighter, apparently, that uh, that did it. So, yeah. 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 And also, Rousey's husband had a go at him as well, didn't, didn't he, I believe, yeah. Travis Brown. Poor Brett had his hair slightly out of place in the next bit didn't they? That's the only bit that you yeah. could kind of tell that something was up. So let's put this in context, right? You're there, right? You see Bret Hart, who I think probably at this time is maybe just under 60, possibly over. Not sure, actually. But uh, he was there. 50 in 2007. So 60 in 2017. So 60, uh, 61, 62. So you're like, this guy's had a stroke. He's had cancer as well. I yeah. reckon. I reckon I'm going to attack him. I mean, fuck off. I thought you were going to say, I, I, gonna say, I reckon I can have him. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the, uh, the the quality of opposition the man goes for yeah just really poor well it wasn't didn't get any better for brett really did it after that because at the hall of fame class when they're introduced to the live crowd he has to put up with the fact that dx are fanning about on stage for about five minutes mm. as well mm. i bet he fucking loved that didn't he yeah i bet he hated it yeah the, the other thing that was weird in this hall of fame and you, you may be about to mention it was that tori wilson said during her speech that lots of people had said to her that they that she was a big part of their puberty mm. so is this basically yeah. people telling her that they discovered a wanking because of tori wilson is that <laughs> the vibe because yeah. that is that not some is that not a crime saying that to a lady i think that's not good is it that's not morally morally correct is that is that a great thing but certainly not a great thing no Stephen. i mean <laughs> there, there's there's like there's great right and then there's Fifteen thousand tons of shit, and then there's that suggesting that that's what you did. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like I don't think that's that's very good, really. <laughs> that's not a great thing, certainly. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to stick up. For pe- like people shouldn't be saying that to her. She wasn't Playboy though. Yeah, yeah, like, no, yeah, I get, yeah, I get it, and I'm sure, I'm sure she yeah. did like help a lot of people through their puberty. I was actually past that point by the time she came along. So yeah, me too. Wasn't a big thing for me. But (laughs) but yeah, like you should absolutely. So no one should ever say that to her. That's just just awful. (laughs) 
Thoughtful. Okay, so the next up we get the hype video for Miz and Shane McMahon, their match. Uh, they talk about Woo! Miz and Shane's friendship, then Miz asking Shane to be his tag partner, the pair winning the SmackDown tag team titles, the Usos beating them when the Miz got, got pinned, Shane attacking Miz in front of his dad, Shane showing off his trophy that he won at one of the Saudi shows, I think. Don't know because I wasn't watching at the time. Shane saying he's sick of people asking him how to get ahead. Shane making the match at Mania. Miz telling Shane that he's he's rotten to the core just like his father. That all precedes the Miz versus Shane McMahon, a match that goes for 15 and a half minutes and ends when Shane McMahon is superplexed off a big scaffold thing onto a padded section below. But his arm is somehow accidentally draped over the Miz and the referee counts the pin and Shane McMahon gets the victory. Stephen, what did you think of this? Like some sort of awful childhood memory that you've repressed. I'd forgotten all about Miz and Shane McMahon and I was actually shocked that Shane turned on Miz during a pre-match video because we got... Shane as the heel and Miz as a babyface in a WrestleMania match. I just don't understand how this was, you know, how was this ever a thing? And Shane's punches range from just terrible looking, so so fake, to brutally real all in the space of two shots. Just dreadful. Miz's dad got exactly what he deserved for getting involved in this. Uh, and it must be said, uh, his son clearly got his good looks from his mother and not George Mazzanin. <laughs> uh, and George was genuinely awful in this role. And they should have considered having an actor play this, like they did once with Randy Orton's wife and also Catches Jack in WCW because his real partner was considered to be too hot to play that role. Here's a sort of semi-weather. I hadn't remembered it being so dark on this night by this point but it was completely dark so that's a really boring statement for you um why would miz suplex shane off a platform thus massively endangering himself rather than just throw his hated opponent off the ledge so so stupid uh and yeah this was the pits i'm i'm gonna jump in there old man if you're all right yeah absolutely i thought this was really good Wow. Really, okay. Yeah, I thought this was really good. I really enjoyed it. I, what I enjoyed about it most, and I, I, I'll be honest, right? I remember tweeting about this match prior to WrestleMania 35 and being like, "This is the absolute shit. I do not want to see this fucking shit anywhere." Like Miz versus Shane McMahon, you could fuck right off. I have no interest in this shit. And then I didn't have any memory of the match at the time, but I remember in the build-up thinking this is going to be absolutely terrible. Watching it this time, I thought, "Wow." Actually, first of all, the fans genuinely care about the Miz. They genuinely want to see him beat the shit out of Shane McMahon. The story's been not it's not amazing, but it's been good enough to get people invested. It's good enough to get the Miz hearing cheers. I mean, how's that possible? It's the Miz. And then they have, I think, what is a pretty decent match played before a very you know, as I said, invested crowd. I get the sort of silliness at the end, but ultimately, like, this isn't important enough as a from a sporting perspective to worry about all that shit for me it's just the Miz wants to hurt him and therefore it doesn't matter if he hurts himself he just wants to hurt Shane McMahon so I was I was fine with all that I thought it was a rollicking piece of fun especially in particular the bit when they're fighting through the international announcers I think that bit is fucking brilliant I think it's hilarious the bit there's a bit I think Corey Graves says it's like they've crash banged into the offices of the UN and there's all these that all the commentators that are there are acting exactly like Michael Cole and Corey Graves and that would be if, when and do when people come into their area and fight in their area you know they've got their hands on their heads and on their on their headsets going you know oh my god I can't believe this oh we're in chaos here but they're all doing it in front there's about 14 of them and they're all doing it in different languages and this is fucking brilliant it's just it's just really funny and really it just 
crazy picture and a crazy scene. I just thought it was really good. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I really liked it. I agree with Tinky. Wow, okay, fair I, play. It starts off with the video. Shane's heel promo is fucking brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. For this match, it is perfect because he's such a cunt. And we all know he's such a cunt. Anyway, he just plays into it. And he's like, basically, I own your ass and stuff like that. And to Tinky's point, they get people to care about The Miz. The Miz gets pyro. He didn't <laughs> get pyro at WrestleMania 27 and he main evented. He got inflatables. Got ballooned. He got effective. Yeah, he got effectively <laughs> a sex party. Not the kind of sex party at Michael Barrymore's house. I love the fact that Shane McMahon, he starts to do his shuffle when he half-asses it. He's wearing a black top. He's a heel. And then he does the whole elongated in-ring entrance where he makes Mike Room do it about four times. And it's brilliant because the crowd are like, you've got to fucking kill this cunt. I love George Mizzenin getting involved when he did because it's early and it's it gets the inevitable out of the way. Like he was always going to be involved and it got it out of the way. He does it like a baked potato. I felt really bad for him when they were calling him that, but he really does. So, yeah, there's that. With a moustache, obviously. Loved the mess of the international commentary area. Like Tinky said, so much fun. They do, and I can't believe I'm saying this, it is ever so slightly longer than I think it needs to be. But if you're going to do this, it's about as good as you can get. I think they get it right. They pitch it right. The crowd fucking love it. You would have loved this when you were there, Stephen. I know it. You would have got into it. No, I, I really didn't. Like, I'm sorry. Come on, George. Get in there. Get in there <laughs> and yourself. Put some foil around yourself and get in the oven. <laughs> I, yeah, I just wasn't in a very good mood. Do you know what? I, 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 yeah, I just wasn't in a very good mood this on this. I'll talk more about the weekend later, but I just wasn't in a very good mood on this particular show. And I, was, I wasn't having a very good time, I'm afraid. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Uh, well, I, I feel like you're reliving some trauma tonight. Going on, sorry. I can keep mentioning Michael Barrymore, and then that will cheer you up. How many times is that gonna is that is that name gonna make the final edit? Is uh, is what I'm I'm interested in. We'll take we'll take uh, we'll take bets on it later. Um, <laughs> the one thing I will say about this match is, and uh, you know, I, I I accept that Shane McMahon does a great job of getting people to hate him, but I do believe the the issue I do have with it is that this needn't be Shane McMahon. So they put a lot of work into this. They really build this up. They give them a story that runs for a number of months. They work in the Miz's dad. They do all kinds of different stuff. It needn't be Shane McMahon who's the heel here. You could have someone else. You could have someone else do this job. I don't know who, but there's there's other options, right? And I'm I am in the kind of camp of let's bring this, this show down in length. And therefore, let's move someone who's in a nothing match elsewhere on the show into this position and give him the match against The Miz. And then we don't have to see Shane McMahon because I'd still rather not see Shane McMahon. But once I've accepted that Shane McMahon's in it, it's actually, I really enjoyed it. I kind of agree with you, but who else did you put in here? I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah, like off this card, fucking weak, weak ass card, I think. Like in terms of a lot of the roster. I think for me, it's good because they get all of the the full force of WWE's promotional machine up behind it. So, and that's because Shane McMahon's in it. And that's 
yeah. so often the case is the same thing with Triple H and Batista. If you know, if they've got an opportunity for somebody to be in a big position, they give it to Triple H or they give it to Shane McMahon. Mm-hmm. Like they don't need to be in those spots anymore. Not people aren't crying out to see Triple H or Shane McMahon in the ring anymore, much less Shane McMahon, but not even Triple H. So you don't need to give them those spots, but they still are because I guess, much to my point earlier on, Vince is booking his children. <laughs> people who he knows will be with him regardless of what happens. Well, it's kind of backfired on him now, isn't he? Well, that's true. Because he's, he's out of the company. Anyway, so yeah, Paige is in, introduced as a special guest commentator for this one. And then we have the Boss and Hug connection against Nia Jax and Tamina against the Iconics against Natalia and Beth Phoenix for the women's tag team titles. Now, am I right in thinking that the women's tag titles had only been introduced a month before? Is that right? Something like that, yeah. Very, yeah. very soon before this. Yeah, well, this one ends when Beth hits a glam slam from the top on Bailey, but the Iconics jump in, push Beth out of the ring and pin Bailey to win the titles. Oh, man. To be honest, so I've, my notes are so limited on this. So I've got the Bailey buddies look a bit sad, which Michael Cole points out. I'd already written that and I was like, fuck off, Cole. Twat. <laughs> then I have a little rant about Paige being terrible on commentary. Going, oh, yeah, fucking, they're killing it. And then there's a double sharpshooter spot by Natalia on the Boston, what was it? Boston connection. No, that's it. Yeah. And uh, that looks amazing. Like, absolutely amazing. Like, they should never do the spot again. Except that they probably have multiple times. But I've never seen it again. It looks really good. As good as that can really look. But apart from that, very forgettable, isn't it? I like the winners, but I also kind of think that the inclusion of Paige and the fact that they'd obviously done no preparatory work with Paige on how to actually call any wrestling ever kind of shows what they thought of the match itself. And as much as I like the Iconics, and they were at this point very, very good and very important, by important in inverted commas, I think it also shows what they thought of the belts that they put them on them. And that's all I've got to say about that. All right, Forrest Gump. Stephen? <laughs> um, every, we talked about Sasha, and every time I see her from this run, I just think she should have been the biggest, one, you know, the biggest or one of the biggest stars in the company, irrespective of gender. Um, and this, mm-hmm. she left the company for four months after this, and you can't really blame her because this was basically the equivalent of Vince McMahon getting the two belts, putting them in the middle of the ring, dropping trout, and then dropping and unloading like a significantly diarrhea shit all over them because that is the equivalent of putting these titles on the Iconics. And I just thought, what's the point? What's the point? Uh, largely, the work was okay, aside from the odd clunky spot, but resting in front of a crowd that could not care less. Here's an idea, crazy one. How about just building up a tag team and having them challenge Sasha and Bailey, just uh, two on two? And I know we've liked sporting references relating to time. At this point, when the bell rang for this match, there was still three and a half hours left in that sh- this show. That's two full football matches with 15 minutes for half time that was left in this show at the start Jesus. of this match, which is nuts. Yeah, I didn't hate they put the belt on belts on the Iconics. They're not great in the ring at all, but they are superbly entertaining. I think they're both fantastic. And I think it's a crying shame that WWE released them. I don't I think they must have released them having 
split them up for no reason and realized they had nothing to do with them on their own because on their own they haven't got as much value but together i think they're just absolutely like they're just great they're just gold but i do have a problem with them doing it in a fate of four-way match and actually what i would have done if you really wanted about skull and the iconics is i would have possibly not done it here i'd have waited a bit because the boston connection are the first women's tag team champions so give them that you know i've still said this before your first champions give them a long reign give them a bit more of the time on the belt so you establish that this this title is hard to win the minute you start flipping the belt all over the place it just instantly becomes worthless and i would have had them just probably face beth phoenix and natalia in a straight tag mm. team match especially with beth phoenix coming out with the heart foundation gear with natalia so i thought that was great I, I really enjoyed that and obviously you had brett come out with them as well yeah i thought it was a bit of a shame that the boston connection had to lose and a bit of a shame that the iconics are no longer with wwe but yeah i i just think you've just introduced these titles so at least at this show present them in a way that suggests that you've got long-term plans for them even if you probably don't is this the show where they allegedly have the sissy fit which is how it was termed at the time, where they're like on the floor throwing their bodies around having tantrums. Yeah, I think Sasha so. and Bailey. Yeah. yeah, which obviously has now been debunked completely. Mm. But so what yeah. was I don't even know about this. What is this? I don't. I, I, this, this shows you how completely yeah. out of the loop I was with wrestling at the time. So the rumors were that basically they effectively Sasha and Bailey got told they were going to lose the belts, and then they go back after the match and they properly throw tantrums, and they're, like, throwing themselves around on the floor and stuff like that. I mean, it's obviously, when you consider, like, because I forgot what you said, Tinky. She goes off, Sasha's going to do the Mandalorian, doesn't she? I think at this stage. And, or it might be something else, but they obviously wanted to spin the narrative to the fact that she'd stormed out, effectively, because, to your point, and we've made this point, on the show before to Stephen's point like Sasha Banks should have been biggest star in the company I think at this point and there's there's nothing on this card the only person close well there's two actually close I think at this stage it's Rousey and Lynch they're the only two that are even close to being the star that Sasha Banks is but neither of them are anything like as good Sasha Banks could have a good match with an armchair I think legitimately she'd probably have a good one with Michael Barrymore <laughs> yeah everyone knows i'm a big fan of sasha banks and you know i don't think this is the this is the place for her but ultimately what can you do i just think that they were the right choice for a good starting tag team champion they just needed them to hold the belts for a while that's all and they needed to probably have them run through everybody else until they came up against another well-built up team maybe the iconics but in a year's time for example Okay, so next up, we've got the replay of the helicopter flyover. So those chances that didn't even manage to stay in formation now get front row seats for the prize of doing so. Ridiculous. Then we so, see the Empire State I, Building. Oh, uh, go on. Uh, come on don't ma- it don't matter. You can go now. I'll edit out no. a bit where I, we talked over each other. It will still <laughs> be seamless. Trust me. So thankfully, these helicopter pilots are more organized in the stadium than they were in the sky you didn't want like one in the fourth row one in one in row two three blocks down just an absolute state of it state of the men <laughs> that's, <it. laughs> that's the joke was it <laughs> yeah well, I've, tinky ruined it yeah you i, I that up too much unfortunately. i agree with that old man yeah you're right <laughs> 
then the Empire State Building is shown lit up with Kingston and Brian's match graphic. And then we get the hype video. Kofi debuting in WWE in 2008, building his way up the WWE roster, teaming with the New Day, Kofi Mania. And then we saw Brian saying that Kofi deserves nothing and calls him a B-plus player. Kofi winning an epic gauntlet match, then Kofi having to beat Brian as well and losing. Then Big E saying WWE Universe has a demand that Kofi faces Brian at WrestleMania. New Day then having to win a tag team gauntlet to earn that shot and winning. Then we get the match Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. 23, nearly 24 minute match, which ends when Kofi wins after hitting Trouble in Paradise. Old man, I know you're very eager to talk about this one. So why don't you talk about it? Well, first off, the video is cracking stuff. And the whole build to this, I actually... This was one of the things I kept in in contact with WWE. Hang on, that sounds like I'm talking to them. <laughs> I kept in contact with uh, WWE on was this whole story. Like just kind of like, and it, I mean, they they do some tremendous work with it, considering it's clearly an impromptu angle that kind of gets thrust on them by the crowd's reaction. And they do tremendously. Daniel Bryan is phenomenal in his role in both the build and the match itself. He was probably MVP material as well. We had a few, because it was not a very good show, we had a few MVP candidates as well, as is Kofi. But I love that there's the authority figure in the way in the form of Vince, because it's basically mirroring Brian's rise. And I thought it was tremendously done. Love Daniel Bryan in his wooden belt. I suggested to friend of the show, Lex, about two weeks before Daniel Bryan had his wooden belt, that they should do that if he's going to be the Planets champion. Then they bloody did it. I should have bloody copyrighted it, really. There's one bum note on this. is the crowd of wrestlers watching in the back. I don't give two fucks about Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Nikki Cross, who's meant to be like a maniac, is just there quietly watching. Oh, shit, absolutely shit. But there are potential WrestleMania moments in there which I thought about, and I was like, well, maybe when there's some celebration at the end, they can have a little WrestleMania moment. They don't manage it. Right from the start, they start pretty fast-paced. There's a top rope dive by Kofi Kingston into the announce table, so the outside that looks like it fucking kills, and then gives Brian the impetus to work over Kofi's ribs and back. This, to me, this whole thing is just classic wrestling. It's why I love wrestling. It's just a very simple story told. They keep dangling the carrot of Kofi coming back. You get the crowd chanting Kofi, Kofi, Kofi a few times. There's an excellent trouble in paradise to Brian, who was, who was attempting to run in these. And then Kofi tries to hit the SOS, I think it is. I'm not sure, though. Get confused with the three names. And it gets turned into a LaBelle lot that is... An incredible 10, 15 seconds. Kofi hulking up as Daniel Bryan is leather, absolutely fucking leathering him with the yes kick. Well, what were the yes kicks? You've got Rowan then out the back blocking Kofi later on from attacking Bryan. And then you've got the new day. So Biggie and Xavier Woods are on the outside. Woods gets thrown over the desk. Biggie gets booted down. Then Kofi hits a trouble in paradise to Rowan. 
And then is it a midnight star that Big Ian Woods hit? I misheard what the I've got I've got it right now. Midnight hour, I think it's called. Midnight hour, thank you. There's the running knees back when they're back in the ring by Brian and the kick out by Kofi is perfection. Like genuinely, I'm watching it. It was spine tingling watching it. I was like, this is absolutely amazing. There's stomps by Brian as he holds Kofi's hands. And then he very slowly applies to the bell lock, like it's a formality that he's going to win. And then Kofi returns the favour with the stomps as he holds Brian's arms. Then he hits a trouble in paradise that is sold incredibly well by Daniel Bryan. An enormous pop. And it's fucking amazing. I loved every single second of this and i've made jokes about like wrestlemania moments and blah 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 this is a fucking moment like full stop this is just incredibly put together they even just about get the stuff after the match right so they do the belt reveal so instead of the eco belt it's the well original in inverted commas ww is it the championship or the uh, wwe championship that's wonderful. Xavier Woods and Biggie are so happy. His kid, Kofi's kids get in the ring. Is beautiful. His oldest son is like walking around the ring holding the belt above his head like he's a fucking boss. Oh, it's beautiful. The t-shirt is a bit much, I think. So Biggie comes down with a box that's got t- that we find out at the end has got t-shirts in. It's a bit much, but then they kind of get it right because Biggie throws one out to the crowd and it goes you then see from the camera angle that it goes to Kofi's wife it felt special at the moment when I was watching it with Tinky and it still does I just think this is like a little bit of wrestling perfection for me I fucking love this absolutely loved it match of the night so you weren't particularly keen on it then old man no I wasn't (laughs) (laughs) Stephen did you share old man's enthusiasm so what I'm going to give a shout out to my brother from a different mother across the Michael Barrymore brother from a different mother across the bridge into Wales Matthew Roberts I I miss your face Matthew and I look forward to seeing you soon (laughs) because I'm going to go polar bear here I'm afraid I've got a lot of mixed thoughts about this whole thing I know this objectively was fantastic but I wasn't emotionally invested in the story even though Kofi did a really good job particularly on promos of everything that he was given but I couldn't help the feeling at the time of the overall standard of this guy's act is not at a level where I can believe he he should or could be WWE champion, yeah, the world champion WWE. And that, and that was it. And I found myself, and I feel bad about this, I found myself supporting Brian on the night. I wanted the heel win, which wouldn't have made any sense. Obviously, Kofi's got to win this, put in this position to try and to try and to try and do something with someone, and I'll give him credit for that. But yeah, I just I just don't have the but I mean, basically, I thought the match was was very, very good. I'm not sure it was quite great for me, but it was very good. It's definitely match of the night. Daniel Bryan's my my MVP as well, and obviously the post match stuff was stuff was fantastic. Ping got a great reaction from a crowd that was comatose for most of the rest of the evening. But did it make Kofi in the end? Not really. I don't know. I I know I'm in the minority on this, but it just didn't connect for me for whatever reason as high as it did with most people. Well, you're not just the polar bear in terms of this podcast, but you are literally sitting in for Matt because Matt 
would agree with you 100%. I'm pretty mm. certain he obviously doesn't like Kofi Kingston having been world champion. And where I do agree with you, Stephen, is that it is my match tonight and Daniel Bryan is my MVP. I think Daniel Bryan is spectacular throughout this. And I think in some regards, Kofi isn't at his best in this match. There's a few timing issues, I think, that Kofi mm. struggles with during the match. But thankfully, Daniel Bryan's his opponent and there's no problem. It doesn't make any difference. They still manage to, to go through it. First of all, in the build up and the, the, the act that he was playing at the time, the heel act that he was playing, I thought was great. Although I still have, you know, real kind of philosophical issue with WWE's insistence on making anybody that might be environmentally concerned about the environment a heel. But there we go. They did the same with what's his face, Juice Robinson, when he was in WWE, didn't they? In NXT. But I thought his act was just great. He played it brilliantly. And then in the match, he was phenomenal, as I say. Like he, I think he carried this to, not carried it's perhaps not the right word, but I think it wouldn't have been as good as it was without Daniel Bryan, put it that way. And Kofi is massively over. So I, again, didn't really follow the product at the time but the video i really enjoyed i really thought the video sold this really really well and there was big investment from the crowd for kofi and then they have a match where which is genuinely emotional where the fans themselves are invested now Stephen, i take your point you weren't and you were in the crowd as well but the majority of this crowd were oh, and, 100%, that, yeah. and, and that made it for me i just thought it was great there's a there's one bit where brian uh reverses a double stomp into a boston crab and it is probably the nastiest looking boston crab i've ever seen better than yeah. anything jericho's ever done with his bloody uh walls of jericho it's just oh i was like whoa that looks that looks bloody painful and then they just have this yeah they're just really really emotional dramatic match and then at the end of which kofi wins and the celebration is emotional and uh, to be honest since i've had my son anything where i see a father and son or to be honest any young lad kind of celebrating happy or sad i'm like instantly like emotional about it it's just it's just impossible not to be now for some reason for obvious reasons but i never thought i would be like that but i, I am like I'm, I'm watching it seeing kofi celebrate with his two two sons and it's just like you know i'm getting really kind of emotional watching it so that was a really cool cool bit as well the end for me i i take the point about kofi kingston maybe not being qualified it's maybe the right word to be wwe champion in terms of i think matt's problem is always that his act is not legitimate enough to be yeah. a wwe champion he's a bit of a fool a bit of a comedy guy i guess it sounds like steven you're also saying that there's a general quality issue for you with with kofi's act um in terms of is it are his matches and his the situations he finds himself are they consistently good enough for him to be wwe champion i think they probably this year of all years are able to do that because the WWE title is not spotlighted as the main match in this show yeah. in any way. There's loads of other stuff going on. They've also got the universal title on the men's side, but of course the women are in the main event as well. So it's not under the same spotlight. So I think that that works. So I think, and it was, you're, you're right. It's absolutely the right result. There's no way they could have had Daniel Bryan win this match. It's very, very good for me. I think it's a very, very good match. And I really enjoyed it. I do understand the criticisms in terms of what you're saying, Stephen. Although I can't understand why you'd be rooting for Daniel Bryan. Because <laughs> I was a twat. <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, though, I think I was annoyed at the time that Bryan had gone heel by this point. Big time. Yeah. So that was maybe one issue I had with it. And it, I'm annoyed more so because then the fault by the I think by the following year, he's a babyface or at least by the two years later, he's a babyface again. Yeah. And by that point, he's nowhere near as popular because he's had this this heel run. So yeah, that that's a problem for me. But 
all in all, looking back now, I think this is this is I said last in our WrestleMania 34 show that I almost wish that, that Daniel Bryan hadn't come out of retirement. This is almost worth him having done that to put this match on. With Kofi. Yeah. So we got highlights of the kickoff show. We see the Andre the Giant Battle Royal won by Braun Strowman, last eliminating two celebrities I've never heard of. And I still didn't get their names. Anything? Did you get no, their names? No, I, no, I didn't. Then we get backstage Alexa Bliss walking into those celebs' room where they are icing their injuries. For some reason, then, the medics on hand are Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And Nash has the freakiest look on his face as he promises a, I think he says, colostomy examination, examination. But that doesn't sound right. I don't think I saw this, so I can only apologise. I think I might have had a WrestleMania poo while this uh, this backstage bit was on. To be honest, there's, there's probably no better time to have a WrestleMania poo because you've got these two celebrities that I don't know who they are, and then Hall and Nash behaving very, very strangely. Or as I said, Kevin Nash's facial expression was something to behold. We then get Booker T introduced as a guest commentator, and then the international commentators are introduced, having, looking a little bit more dishevelled after their previous dalliance with The Miz and Shane McMahon. This is before the U.S. title match, which is Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio, a match that lasts less than a minute and ends when Samoa Joe applies the Kakina clutch for the win by submission. Stephen, you might be able to help me here, but I understand Rey Mysterio was injured for this. Is that the truth? He was. Yeah, he was injured. Uh, but I must be honest, I absolutely love this. I, I, I'm a massive fan. I, I wouldn't mind WWE every four or five years doing this in a main event just to keep everyone a bit more invested early in a match that this could look like the lesson of Goldberg thing that survivor series in what 2016 and I'll do you know what this isn't match of the night but I did I did sort of slightly think do I do a contrary one and give this give this because I just thought it was it was great um, and this is this is probably the maybe the third best thing on the show for me behind Seth and, and uh, Brock and the um the match we just talked about with Kofi and Daniel Bryan but yeah I really like this I mean, I, th- I I agree with your principle there about every now and again, they should do a really short main event just to keep people on their toes and give yeah. people a reason to care for the first 15 minutes of a match. Because if you know the match is always going to go 21 minutes, then you're going to stop. You're going to you're going to switch off until you get to the final two, aren't you? Yep. And you're going to know the match isn't finishing for a long time yet. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Was this Samoa Joe's only WrestleMania match? I think it is, isn't it? I don't know if he did anything in the pandemic one, but that's the next, the next, the done. next WrestleMania was he was in a rain mac, wasn't he? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least he had this, I guess. And yes. also, I believe this is um, Rey Mysterio's first singles match for a number of years at WrestleMania as well, apparently. But this time, the next thing we get is an advert for Batista's new film, Stuber. And at first, I was rolling my eyes, thinking, "Oh fucking hell, do I have to sit through this film trailer?" And by the end of it, I was like, I want to see this thing. I want to damn, I want to see this film. It looks funny. <laughs> I've not seen Stuber, but I do like Dave Batista in various things. No, this, this is Samoa Joe's only WrestleMania match. That was, yeah, I should say. I thought so. Then we get the hype video for the next match. It's Reigns returning on Raw, Roman Reigns returning on Raw to say that he's in remission after thanking fans for their well wishes during his illness. Then Drew McIntyre attacking Reigns and telling him that this is his yard now. McIntyre saying he could tell Reigns wasn't the same man and he is vulnerable. McIntyre then challenging Reigns to a match at WrestleMania and talks about Reigns' family. Reigns coming out to confront him, McIntyre hitting a low blow and saying that Reigns may have beaten leukemia but he'll never beat him uh, mcintyre's entrance then includes a scott uh, the nypd bagpipe band with full drums and bagpipes and uh michael cole says mcintyre is like something out of braveheart 
It's a very tired reference, I would suggest. Yeah. Then another absolute gem from someone on the commentary desk, probably Michael Cole again. Roman Reigns is fighting for the world tonight. <laughs> he's fighting for anyone that's ever been ill. He's fighting for the world tonight. And it reminded me of that lovely 80s charity song. Now, join in with me if you know the song. We are the world. We are the children. Come on, guys. You must know it. <laughs> we are the ones to make a brighter day. So let's start living. Giving, that- actually. It's not giving. It's living. It's giving, <laughs> not living. <laughs> no, let's start living. That's a better message. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's start living. Come on, guys. Let's start living. That was the American version of uh, Band-Aid, wasn't it? I think. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson and others involved. Yeah, this is Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre up next. It's 10 minutes long, and it ends when Reigns hits a Superman punch and a spear and gets the win. So a little note on this. The beatdown by the Scottish Braveheart, now sorry, Drew McIntyre, (laughs) is fucking amazing. It went to Roman Reigns. All I could think, I was like, that's a fucking heel, that is. This guy's beat cancer, and he's fucking beating the piss out of him. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is really poor taste, isn't it? Oh, terrible. Enjoy Drew's entrance. As you noted, Tinky, it was those uh, New York lads pretending to be Scottish. But he also makes some incredible noises when he's doing his little pose on the top rope, which one of which is... (laughs) And then I think he realises what he's doing. He does that weird hand thing and he goes... And I was like, oh, that's the highlight of the match, to be honest. This is crap. This is just really flat because everyone knows what it is. It's a man beats leukemia, returns and beats someone at WrestleMania. I have no problem with that. I do have a problem with it being Drew McIntyre that's used, given that you've brought him up as a legitimate threat. You've built him as a legitimate threat. And Roman Reigns doesn't really have to do anything to beat him. But yeah, whatever, let's move on. I don't know why they finally need to drag it out longer than nine seconds. He should have just gone in, obliterated Hornswoggle and been done with it. Lovely old job. <laughs> this was Roman in that place where people hadn't had a chance to boo him. So instead of booing him because he'd recovered, they he just got apathy. Uh, and there was nothing wrong with the work in it. But it's just yet another attraction on this night the crowd didn't want to see. So And this was late. You know, this was this was really, really late by the time this started as well. So, yeah, no no room for this whatsoever. See, this is my this is where I think the, the show struggles. Everything <laughs> up to Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan actually isn't bad in general i mean yeah. i said i really like the shame mcmahon mismatch i liked a number of bits and pieces on the the rest of the, of the of that first half but once you get past the kofi kings the match and the emotion of that there's mm-hmm. just generally not a lot of interest in the rest of the show and they kind of try and get back up for the women's match at the end but they're so tired by that point they can't and this is just for me two and a half hours of just oh how do we get through this fucking yeah. show can we just get to the end of it now and this is where it starts really roman reigns and drew mcintyre also i don't know what job wwe had done on drew mcintyre prior to this but my impression of drew mcintyre at the point of this show was oh they brought drew mcintyre back from tna and he's been sort of but he's been fed to reigns a sort of upper mid card fodder who will probably drop down the card after this testament to mcintyre and wwe's persistence with him that that didn't happen in the end and he kind of got a second kind of main push and and would have probably had his big moment at wrestlemania 36 had the covid not come along and and even though he still got the victory it wasn't quite the same thing so this was just yeah this was nothing for me it was a very run-of-the-mill average match it wasn't bad but it was just not 
interesting. I just didn't. I just didn't find it interesting. And I think that I, this is going to I'm going to try and I'm going to try and word this the right way because it's going to be hard for me to word it. But basically, prior to Roman Reigns' illness, they tried to get Reigns over it or they tried to appeal to people with Reigns on the basis that he was Roman Reigns. There was nothing else. They never for me, they never established why I should care about Roman Reigns prior to the illness. Like there was nothing there was nothing to care about him for. I didn't feel like he was particularly brave. I didn't feel like he was particularly had a particularly strong moral fiber i didn't believe he was particularly cool he pretty much as tom said previously like he's the guy who still wanted to be back at school with his mates in the shield but they'd all fucked off and done something else and then after the illness the only thing that they had to make you like him was that he'd had the illness and he'd recovered from it and no doubt that's an incredible personal feat but that doesn't play into anything in terms of the on-screen canon as far as i'm concerned doesn't make any difference no one's going to get into him as a consequence of that and so as you said Stephen, there was just this apathy around him it was like well we still don't really know why we're supposed to like this guy but it's in bad taste almost now to boo him so we're just going to just sit on our hands i can remember watching the promo where he comes out and he says that he's in remission Mm. and it's a genuinely lovely moment like they do it very well wwe but yeah like basically what you've both just said is like is leukemia survivor a character like it's not is it but they do try and use that almost as it could be perceived that they use that to get roma reigns into a nicer spot with the fans which i don't think they do i think it's very much the cynical side of me that thinks that but it's just an awkward spot and don't waste drew on it don't waste him come on elias is in the next segment fucking wallop that cunt he ain't going nowhere well i think that to sort of expand a bit on what you've you've been saying old man i think it's very hard for them to do anything else than slightly draw upon it when he returns it's not that you could ignore the fact that he's had leukemia so you've got to at least you know he's got to at least deliver that promo race that i'm fine but i think the cynic cynical side of you is right in the sense that they then based drew's heat on him talking about the fact that roman reigns had beaten leukemia but wasn't going to beat him once he'd come back he delivered his speech and said look i'm, I'm cancer free this is great just move on from then don't make it the point or the one of the reasons why or one of the main aspects of drew mcintyre's kind of heel heat because he's talking about him like saying you're not the same person anymore like again drawing on the cancer so it's not like using it to get people to like roman reigns but they are getting to to get people to hate drew mcintyre and that's just a cynical so Agreed. so up next uh we get rusev and lana getting ready for a night out and rusev presents lana with a necklace and then as she's about to take the necklace he uh he kind of closes the lid on, on on lana's hand and then the tagline comes up you're not smooth when you're hungry it's a snickers advert yes indeed which contained nut butter apparently which is absolutely a euphemism for spunk surely <laughs> Maybe. Oh, I forgot about this angle until you just said about it, old man. And I'm now kind of like crushed. I have to talk about it. But this is what's next. It's Elias introduced to the crowd. He's shown with a drum kit. Then he's introduced again with a piano and again in the ring with a guitar. Elias and Elias and Elias then play a song. Then Elias asks, who wants to walk with Elias? Elias says his performance will be the greatest in rock and roll and WrestleMania history. And as Elias is about to sing a song, a video interrupts him. A news report about the 1932 World Series, Babe Ruth calling his shot and hitting a home run for the Yankees. Then Cena emerging to word life as old John Cena, doctor of thugonomics. Cena does a rap accompanied by funny in inverted commas, pictures 
complete with insider terms this uh, little rap cena then knocks elias down hits a five knuckle shuffle pumps the trainers up and hits the fu and then leaves in case you weren't aware this is really not for me this i tell you what mainly because i didn't really understand the draw of elias i know he was kind of quite over apparently with some people at the time but didn't really appeal to me and i wasn't watching when cena was the doctor of thugonomics so neither of those things had any appeal to me whatsoever i'm sure it was quite nostalgic for some but i just didn't like any of this at all what did you think old man i fucking hate this i hate this from the second he comes down having done had the babe ruth video in the yankees top with the yankees cap on the cunts from boston yeah yeah like he well he's not he's from west newbury massachusetts like basically boston yeah it's just like mate like you can't do it i know his gimmick was to wear the jersey of the basketball or the baseball team or the american football team for the city that he was in like that was his thing when he was the doctor the doctor of fuck off anomics <laughs> that's better <laughs> good stuff the rap's terrible the whole thing's crap elias is just shit i i've just like real so i remember so it was after this one i think i remember chatting to a friend he said he was like elias doesn't wrestle like how can anybody take him seriously and i can remember being like yeah but he's on tv every week blah 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 take it all back he's fucking shit this is shit he is basically he says walk with elias twice and makes the crowd do it both times. That's you, Stephen, looking at you, <laughs> judging you over there. Yeah, I thought this was terrible. And this is such a fucking waste of time on the show as well. And this is like, so we are, I believe we are just as, this might be pretty much bang on three hours into the show. And I'm like, this, this shit can fucking go. I know you boys talked about it and you liked Ray versus Joe. I did not. Because it felt unnecessary and Booker T was there. I'm guessing Corey Grace needed a poop. Reigns and McIntyre kind of has to be on there because of what it is. But there is, to your point as well, Tinky, that you said, this last two and a half hours is so much filler. No killer. This killed me. It was that. Uh, and by the end I went of- for a wee. I'm John Cena. There we go. <laughs> by the end of this segment, we were three and a half hours in. By the end of this were segment. We? So there you go. Stephen, what did you like make of it? This segment was three and a half hours. Yeah. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I'm going to try and get through this as quickly as possible. So big shout out to my longtime pal, Mark, who probably hates John Cena more than anyone does on Earth. And we were together in New York for his 40th birthday celebrations. So, of course, we got him a nice Cena headband, wristbands to wear and a, and a John Cena birthday card. Now, one of the things I said earlier on around how I was feeling on this night. So I had some a fairly intense time in my personal life going into this holiday. And this was kind of a little bubble of distraction. So I was kind of, I'd done the NXT show, I'd done New Japan. And I sat at WrestleMania, it's Mark's 40th birthday. I'm like, I try not to be negative. My friend Stu was there as well, our friend, and Mark didn't know he was coming, it was a surprise. I'm like, try not to be negative, try not to be negative. I'm not sure I achieved that, Mark. So you, I know you're listening. You can message me and tell me whether I was really negative on your 40th birthday or not, because I was trying hard not to be. But it was almost like, if you've ever been on a really good holiday and you get to like maybe three quarters of the way through and you just can't stop thinking about going home and it's almost like, you know, you've got a lot of stuff to deal with when you get back and it's like it's a very uncertain time. So I just was in kind of my own head a little bit. And then the following night, the thing that drew the line for me in WWE was, I don't know if you remember this, but Kofi and Seth had a, t- had a title for title unification match on, on Raw, believe it or not. So the, fir- the opening segment was like, 
we're going to unify the titles tonight. And you think, as a, as a long-time wrestling fan, you think, surely they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that, are they? Then you're like, well, Vince is a fucking maniac, isn't he? So perhaps he just woke up one day and decided, I don't want two belts anymore. So that's in your mind. That's in my mind. And then what they did is they started about 10 minutes. And then I think Seamus and Cesaro came down, interrupted. And this loyal crowd that traveled all around the world started chanting bullshit and AEW and all sorts of stuff during this match. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with this product. Like, what are they doing? But it's such a good time up to the point where I had to watch Vince McMahon promoted wrestling. But going back to this segment, that's all of my extra extracurricular stuff mark hated this segment so much in the moment that actually so just for just for our listeners Stephen cut off in the middle of his story so we will try and get him to retell that story in just a second for now though we're going to go we're going to go all through the rick flair and batista triple h stuff because that's what comes next so we've got we can jump Ooh. over all that which is lovely then we get alexa bliss introducing curtis axel bo dallas who are wearing T-shirts made with the confidence that Daniel Bryan would retain his title tonight. And then they do some dancing and singing. Uh, and then Ron Simmons walks in and says, damn. Yeah, bloody heck. <laughs> like, I'm all for Ron Simmons turning up and saying, damn. But this is like another WrestleMania moment for Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel after <laughs> last time when they get shooed off by the Miz. Yeah. So they're doing all right. Alexa Bliss at this moment in time is really doing a lot as host, is she? Nothing. She's doing nothing as no. host. No. Yeah, I mean, she's not really put a shift in. Fair play to her, though. I forgot to mention, because I couldn't think of it in my head. Her music's fucking great, though. Love <laughs> her music. So then JBL is introduced as a guest commentator. Mike Rome introduces the next match as Kurt Angle's last. Then we have Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin, a match that goes for just six minutes and is won by Baron Corbin when he hits, I believe, the end of days. I'm struggling to look through my notes to find the right bit, but I think that's what he does. And he wins. He wins anyway. Baron Corbin wins by pinfall, beats Kurt Angle in his last match. Before we go back to Stephen, who is just yeah. about to come back on, I will just say this about Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin. Obviously, it's a real shame that Angle's last match had to be with Baron Corbin. It's also a shame that he had to lose to Baron Corbin. I mean, if he's going to lose, at least put him against someone who's going to make some value out of it. And I don't I don't hate Baron Corbin, but he's never going to get anything out of it, is he really? Let's be honest. I just felt like Angle deserved more. Having said that, I thought at the end of the match, after the match was done, the fans did give him the send, a, a bit of a send off, which was which was nice. I felt like he definitely deserved that send off. And I felt like the commentators really went out of their way to make sure they gave him that send off. In particular, Corey Graves, who had quite a long monologue and then said at the end, Kurt Angle is the best full stop. That was all he said. And I just thought that sounded like to me a directive, almost as if mm. somebody in management wanted that said on camera because it just it just felt particularly straightforward like they very rarely say anything quite that simple and it really stood out as a, as a statement i find this whole thing quite sad not just the match itself and the send-off but just kurt angle in general and what I, i've written here what could have been but actually i don't think it could have been any different because i still believe strongly that in 2006 when kurt left wwe what well, was fired by wwe that wwe did the right thing i don't think they could have done anything else i feel like when he refused to go into rehab they with all good conscience and i would you can say what you want about them usually having any conscience but in this situation they couldn't continue to make money out of angle whilst he had an addiction it just wouldn't it would have been wrong so i think they did absolutely the right thing and therefore i don't see what else could have happened other than what did but there we go Stephen, let's get your thoughts on kurt angle versus baron corbin and then we'll go back to your story 
I mean, I, I thought that this was disgusting, to be honest. This was, this was you know, we were talking about John Cena in the last segment. John Cena did a rap on this show. You could have done Kurt Angle and John Cena for 12 minutes here, mm-hmm. no doubt. And the crowd would have been into that. But instead, he lost to a no-hoper dressed up like a waiter. And that is what Baron Corbin has always been, a no-hoper, no upside. The guy's tall. And that's it. This was this was rubbish. But as you said, at least he got a good post-match reception, basically, which um, at least picked it up a little bit. But yeah, and Kurt's not done a match since at all anywhere. So this is this is really it for him. Yeah, I, th- I think that is it. I think you. I think you're. I think that you're more kind of aggressive, if that's the right word, stance on this is is fair. Actually, I think it's absolutely fair. And and there are other options, like you said, they could have done John Cena quite easily. Probably could have done others. I mean, this is one of those cases where, again, for me, they are right to put Kurt Angle's last match on WrestleMania. It's right that it's on the main card. Just pick someone else. Make this show shorter. Make there be less matches and then give Kurt Angle somebody else more worthwhile than Baron Corbin. John Cena would fit. I always think that if you're going to do a retirement match, it should be someone from that wrestler's history in some yeah. way and on this show john cena's there doesn't have a match but does what he does and you've got samoa joe in a 60 second match yeah or ray i suppose ray was injured but you could have done ray couldn't you yeah i just i just found the whole thing really sad and i thought as well that to your point to you i think they draw it they get it back at the end of the match uh cory graves interestingly or interestingly not uh they're both pittsburgh lads angle and graves so it wouldn't surprise me if having grown up because he would have grown up around the time that angle was really really big in like the olympics and that like that's a genuine feeling from graves as well but I thought this was fucking offensive. Like, to kind of Stephen's point, like, I think the problem that I have with it is that Angle can't fucking move. And they're making him be thrown around by Baron Corbin. If you're going to have someone throw Angle around, make it be Cena. Make it be someone else. Like, it doesn't... Yeah, it's just a waste. And kind of to your point at the start of this, Stephen, Corbin don't get a fuck all from this. No. What's he get from it? He doesn't get to lord it over Angle. Because quite rightly, Angle is given his moment to shine. And yeah, it's just a bit of a waste. I I didn't like that Angle didn't really get much of a promo at the end. And he always, as he did, leaned on the you suck thing, which I hated. I absolutely hated, especially when he came back. But he looks quite relieved when he's kissing his family and then he walks up the aisle. And I thought, you know what? I'm glad he got to go out. Probably not on his own terms, but at least on some terms that weren't death. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that is well worth saying as well, that he came out of it at the end without the addictions that he had and largely not well not completely crippled anyway i mean his body's clearly not in the great shape and you're right he does struggle to move during the match much like he had done in the previous year's match in fairness good that he got his moment but probably should have been far bigger and more important and better than this was so the next match is for the intercon- yes the next match there's another fucking match before the main event it's for the intercontinental titles between bobby lashley and finn balor it lasts all of four minutes and finn balor wins when he hits a power bomb and then hits a coup de gras and gets a pin oh man i mean like so lashley is wearing contact lenses for some reason or as i put 
on my original notes. I corrected them when I took them up. Eye lenses, just eye <laughs> lenses. Lashley spears the demon through the ropes, which is obviously like a Lashley spot, but Finn Balor slash the demon is walking, well, kind of like running as he does it. So he's running towards the top room and it looks really excellent. And then it ends. I thought this was an absolutely fine sprint of a match that they kind of get as much out of it as they probably can. But what's the fucking point? What is the fucking point in this? I just thought if you're Finn Balor and you're told that your match is going four minutes, can you not just say, I don't want to put the paint on? Please don't make me sit in the chair for two hours <laughs> and put that on. Just to, I don't know. I don't know where I was cut off before, but I, I hope to, I want to make the, the point clear that I enjoyed the John Cena segment more because Mark hated it. And Renee, the only thing else I had left to say was Renee Young slash Paquette had the line of her night, a line of the night, perhaps career, when she said Cena was about to put some stank on it. And that is about as good a thing as she's ever said in her career. What this made me think about this show actually was that other than the length, this was a WrestleMania that was like WrestleMania 5, 6 and 7 in that there's loads of matches, too many matches. Loads of them don't mean anything. And there's loads, there's like inconsequential matches just before the main event. And that's exactly the the model that 5, 6 and 7 used, except those shows only clocked in about three and a half hours. And so they were bearable. This is where the show was just like, fuck, we've really seriously not got to the main event now. You've got all the Baron Corbin, Kurt Angle stuff. You think that might be, it might be time for the main event. So, no, it's not because then we get this match. Then you think it might be the main event, but it's not because we get Alexa Bliss coming out onto the stage and announcing the new MetLife attendance record of 82,265. Then you think that's the end. We're, we're going to the main event now. Oh, no, no. Our truth comes out with Carmella. And they then dance and sing for a bit and everyone ask everyone to stand up and they do their song, their seven second dance break, which is actually longer than seven seconds. A time when they actually have been going for this long and they still insist on doing more than seven seconds as part of a seven second dance break. It just it's just endless. And this is just part of it. What they did was actually fine. And but it just was pointless. Four minutes, Finn Balor wins and also, it just felt really quite criminal in terms of Bobby Lashley's this big, serious, legitimate-looking guy, and you beat him in four minutes with someone who's as small as Balor. It just didn't, even that, it just felt like, leave this off. This doesn't need to be there at all. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't need to, to be there, but this in particular, given when it was in the show, was like, yeah, just just bomb this off. Do not do this match. Forget about it. And to your point, Stephen, don't put Finn Balor through the, the meal of having to sit through two hours of makeup in order to, to, to have the match so it's time for our overall thoughts scores out of 10 any other business we need to clear up why don't we start with you old man well we've kind of covered this i think up until kofi and brian this is pretty good i think as a as a show i i think like we covered at the start i think the main event they do all right they're hamstrung by the length of the show i enjoyed triple h and batista far more than you lads did but it's just oh, i fucking tedious but it's too long, isn't it? It's just way too long. Like, they, you can't keep the momentum up. Like I said at the start, the last hour is intolerable, to be honest, because of the treatment of Angle and the fact that they then have Finn Balor against Lashley for no discernible reason. I don't know what to rate it, to be honest, because the first two and a half hours, I've really quite enjoyed, but I probably only truly enjoy another 45 minutes that's left of the show. So I'm going to give it, because of how much I enjoyed Kofi and Daniel Bryan, enjoyed Lesnar Rollins, I enjoyed Miz and Shane, enjoyed Triple H Batista, and I like the main event. I'm going to actually give this what is probably quite a generous six. 
because they got me through. And I also enjoyed Styles of Wharton when, quite honestly, five, well, the fact that we watched it in one go, Tinky, when we watched it before, says that it's not an awful, awful show. So, yeah, I'll give it a six. We didn't really have a choice, and though, you did we? we done with it. We didn't no, really have a choice, though. We, we were watching it the day after WrestleMania, and you, you committed to coming around. It wasn't like we, I was going to say, sorry, guy, sorry, mate, I can't I can't finish this half. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is fair. But I had also done a massive shit in your house and eaten a pizza, so. Good times, then basically Stephen <laughs> I thought if you shuffled the pack a bit um there was enough in the company and some of the stuff you actually did or did do on the show to have a, a pretty solid maybe very good for our WrestleMania but as it was this is the longest show including the pre-show that they've ever done and wrestling shows are just not designed to be as long as this people aren't designed to be sat in football stadiums watching shows that are seven hours plus long and so much of it was hurt by that the, the good the good things were on the show or, or okay things were hurt by it and the, and there were a lot of things that people just weren't interested in it's just just bad booking and while i thought this was slightly better than wrestlemania 33 it wasn't by very much and that's why i'm giving it a four out of ten thank god this is the end of the five-hour wrestlemanias because there is no there's just no fun like the three-hour shows even some four-hour shows there's some fun watching those back but on a five-hour show with some some good stuff sprinkled in this is this is an absolute chore to get through this is like torture so yeah just not not fun at all and and i hope that please ben don't ever pick a five-hour show ever again for us to us to review the WrestleMania years being over. Well, I, I don't know that there are that many, to be honest. There certainly yeah. aren't any this long, long, because no. this is a fucking monster of a show. Having said all that, I am going to give this a six out of ten as well. I thought there's a. This is the big problem, isn't it? Is, is whether you judge the show and hold the fact that it's too long against it, or you go, you take the component parts of it and go, actually, if this was a three-hour show with the same variety of quality. I would probably still give it a six. I, I What I'm saying is that the proportion of quality here is as much as it would be for a six for any show. But because it's long, it's almost like I feel like I should mark it down a bit, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give it a six. I thought the first half was very good. I think if the if the show after Brian Kingston, it lasts only half an hour or maybe 45 minutes longer and the only matches you get are Kurt Angle against someone significant and the women in the main event I think were golden I think this is an excellent show but uh, the fact of the matter is that there's like two and a half hours after that point and not much of it is any good at all in my view most of it is is boring or rubbish or pointless and the the nadir for me is the John Cena bit I just found it so pointless and crap I was like why is this on here please get it off it's it's doing my head in now so I'm giving it a six Master of the Night, Brian Kingston, MVP Daniel Bryan. And I am equally, Stephen, glad that we are past the five-hour WrestleManias. And I'm actually really looking forward to the fact that I think the WrestleMania 36 shows are less than three. So Lovely. That's a lovely relief after all of this. It's a that's a that's a great thing, it really is. In terms of where that puts WrestleMania 35 on our overall list, it's round about halfway up the list. I think it's behind 21 of the other WrestleMania. So it's not very high on the list and only above 13 of them. So somewhere in the middle, somewhere, a mid-table, a lower mid-table entry for WrestleMania 35. So maybe fair, maybe others will put it put it lower, but that's where it's landed. So guys, we've come to the end of that epic recording and it's been epic both recording and of course watching the show in the first place and it's been it will be epic in the edit because there's been so many things going on and i don't know how much of this our listeners will end up having to be uh witness to but there's been 
technical <laughs> problems, videos cutting out all over the place, people losing Wi-Fi connections, dogs that won't shut up with a beat the, the the squeaky toy they've got, and and also old man just littering the thing with Michael Barrymore's name. So it has been <laughs> at times a real a really difficult one to get through, but we've done it. And for that, Stephen, mm. thank you for your contributions. No worries. Thank you, as ever. And old man, thank you for t- joining us as well. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you got it in the end. Fucking hell. It's, uh, anyway, um, I hope that all of you people that are going out on the pool this weekend strike it lucky, or maybe even strike it rich. But, uh, yeah, um, I will, I'll see you when I get there. And, yeah, everybody, back streets back. But don't worry about all that good stuff. Just remember to rate Ken Patera, remember, rate, remember Ken Patera. Yeah. Yeah, we're all off to go and watch Stuber. We'll be back again in two weeks' time for WrestleMania 36 Night 1. But until then, Woo! take care. Yeah.